guys, welcome to the Just Hurley Things YouTube channel and welcome to the sit down where I bring on guests to talk about different topics. Today's topic is feminism in the church. And I brought on four of the most educated people on YouTube, on the whole entire platform. <laughs> so um, I'd like to go around to start. Give me, give me you guys' name, channel name, and just a brief background. Um, starting with our new regular on the channel, Rachel. Hi, Pearl. I'm Rachel Wilson. You guys might have seen me on Pearl's channel. We've done two shows together. I am a wife and mother of five. I wrote a book called Occult Feminism, The Secret History of Women's Liberation. And I have a Substack and a YouTube channel. Um, do you want to go, Jay? Yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm Jay Dyer. Uh, I host the fourth hour of the Alex Jones Show every Friday. Um, I have a YouTube channel, Jay Dyer, written four books, uh, two on symbolism in Hollywood and two on philosophy and religion. And you can find my work at jaysanalysis.com. Glenn, do you want to go? Yeah, my name is Glenn Lawrence. I am a former youth pastor. I got a degree in religion from Liberty University. Um, I am an actor, producer, director, and I have a channel on YouTube, uh, Glenn Lawrence Presents. Check it out. Yeah. And Tim. What's up, Pearl? I'm Tim Gordon. My YouTube channel is Rules for Retrogrades. I've written four books, one of which is The Case for Patriarchy. And I do shows on feminism in the church and a whole bunch of other things I've written books on. But I'm, I'm really happy to be with you today. Okay. Thank you guys all for coming. So the reason I did today's stream was because I, I, I noticed patterns in things, okay? And I just noticed some really similar like speech patterns to feminists um, in especially like Christian non-denominational churches and just different like youth pastors I would see on YouTube, but I couldn't really describe it like what it was and like what I was seeing. And when I had Rachel on the other day, she was telling me there was a history of feminism in the church. So I wanted to know like when, when was like the earliest, I guess, like feminism, like infiltrating the church. I don't know the best way to ask this question. You know, if you read um, the 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 losing the good portion, I think it's Leon Pohl's book on um, the church. It goes; he dates it back to Aristotle, and a lot from there is kind of where the research that I gathered that that you see a lot of feminism in the church. Now, Tim and and um, I'm sorry, I forgot your name here, but. Uh, probably have a different interpretation or understanding on it. But for me, from my research, I gathered it from starting dating back to around the 1800s around Aristotle's time. Now, that's just my opinion. Yeah, uh, actually, Aristotle is, uh, you know, 400 BC, and he, he yeah. writes a great chapter. We cite it all over this book on uh, friendships between unequals. And his paradigm example is that a husband and wife can be best friends because they're unequals, because the husband uh, is owed submissiveness. Or I, you know, the funny thing is in the third chapter of Case for Patriarchy, I say mid 1800s, there's a very stark beginning point, which is called the Seneca Falls Convention, which was a convention led by um, uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. 
in upstate New York for feminists. They had a declaration of independence and it's the beginning, the advent of first wave feminism. Every single point that you see in third, fourth wave feminism is there enumerated at the 1848 Seneca Falls Convention. So, so I agree with you that it's it's mid 19th century, but they say they want women in the clergy. They need women out of the homes. They need women uh, to be sexual miscreants, to, to match the miscreancy of men. And all the other points that you think, and uh, not you, but everyone out there thinks because they're brainwashed, <laughs> is associable with only radical feminism. It's it's nonsense. It's all there in first wave feminism, but it is a 19th century thing. You bet. Really? Yeah. Wait, so you, I'm confused because you were saying Aristotle was or wasn't a feminist. Not at all. No. I wouldn't no, say I, he was a feminist, but I think his writings like gave allusion to or allowed people to build on this like trope. And I'll, I'll pull it up here. Um, there's this book I'm going to I'll pull up here and kind of if you think you know, he's a 19th century thinker, you're probably thinking of someone else. Aristotle's a, you know, fourth. No, century. no, no, no. Yeah, no. Like I know where it's it's from the Aristotelians or like the, you know, like the like the group of people that followed his work. The Aristotelians um, kind of took this and ran with it. Um, where is it at here? I'm going to pull it up and then share it with you guys here in a minute. I'm sorry. Maybe Jay can give his take real quick while you're looking that yeah, up. Yeah, while you're doing that. Uh, yeah. So one thing I would say is that right before Aristotle, Plato did teach in the Republic a pretty radical view of equalitarianism. And so in the Republic, you have this idea for the middle class that the guardians uh, are all equal amongst themselves. And that includes women and they will share, share property. So you get this fe this feminist sort of e equalitarian view in Plato of course, Plato does influence Aristotle, but I think Aristotle pretty, you know, he's pretty clear about the difference between men and women. But if you fast forward up to today, the real power is what I focus on in terms of how that could have really gotten into the church. So Tim's correct that, and like um, uh, Rachel says, there were these kind of pioneer kind of kooky women that were in the on the fringes of Christianity, kind of posing these ideas, and they would have conferences, and they would have cults. And different groups that would that would think, oh, we need to have women in the exact same roles as men in the church. But the way that it really got into all of this first Protestant Christianity and then the other branches was through really powerful, wealthy families that supported this and then actually wrote about it. So the, the Rockefellers, for example, in their authorized biography, there's a whole chapter in there by Collier and Horowitz on the promotion of feminism throughout the West and the university system, as well as the Rockefellers funding and creating the modern ecumenist movement. That's really the idea that all the religions kind of blended into one, all the churches blend into some new kind of thing. They can't have any of the boundaries prior to that. So you can't have the distinction between men and women in the ministry. You can't have the distinction between men and women anywhere else because all of those distinctions have to be blended into a giant blob. So the Skittles blob that we're going into was actually promoted by some of these really wealthy families. So I focus on it from the vantage point of the power elite and also intelligence operations, how the CIA and groups like that were involved in promoting, promoting this in the churches. So basically Plato started the idea and then it didn't, it didn't really infiltrate the church until the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we all could agree on that. Yeah, I got, I got that. Would... I got that um, page up. If you ever want me to pull it up, just let me oh, know. Oh, sure. Let me see. I'm just trying to learn. 
All right, so I'm gonna up. Oh, you have to disable sharing. Oh, how do I do that? Let me see. Um, I sorry guys, I'm a woman. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Pearl, you would love you would love Aristotle. Actually, he says that uh, a woman is an imperfect man, and this is. This is uh, repeated mm -hmm. all throughout the medieval tradition. Aquinas says it. It, it drives the, the Catholic feminist nuts that that a, a woman is an imperfect or a, an in, uh, incomplete. Women man. don't have souls. The medieval philosophers. And I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> some of them said. Okay. Some of them said that. But shared, yeah, no. I shared it. I think you can now, Glenn. All right, cool. Here we go. Screen two. Here we go. So, as you can see here, um, here let me move this out of my way. It's in my way. Hold on. There we go. For all Muslim millenniums, uh, Christians have tend to see their primary identity as feminine. And it all started with Aristotle, whom all being consistent with the form upon the matter which the form is imposed. He claims that the male was completely formed, the female was relatively lacking in form, the female was more like the matter, and therefore was able to receive new form. If the male seed has been able to impress its form completely on another female matter. It would always produce a male. If it did not impress the form completely on the matter, it would produce a female. You know, receptivity, uh, the ability to receive further forming there was therefore a key characteristic of the female and consequently of the feminine personality. And then he goes into further, you know, the scholastics of Prudence Allen has shown that in the, in the concept of, a woman rediscovered that Christianized this Aristotelian uh, analysis of the female, but unlike Aristotle, saw women women's natural receptivity as a, an advantage. In order of grace, Christian Aristotelians taught that women is above the man precisely because of her rel uh, relativity, unformed nature. Prudence Allen explains that Mary herself became a kind of material that was formative power of God, her perfect identity as a non-resistant material for the working of the Holy Spirit led to her complete absorption of the wisdom of God. Therefore, you know, St. Albert the Great, it followed that Mary knew everything that God knew, which I don't think that's true, <laughs> you know, personally. No. So this, this book is kind of about an Aristotelian Christian-like sect. Yeah. A, her a heretical sect yeah and going back to the earliest times like everybody on the panel has kind of agreed there's always been these heresies these little uh heresies that included feminism and mm -hmm. they've always been around and they've always been used to kind of subvert but i agree with tim and jay and with glenn that it was really the mid-1800s that this really picked up because we for the first time had these ultra wealthy philanthropic foundations and families, just like Jay was talking about, that came out of the industrial age. And because they had unprecedented money and power, they thought, okay, let's take these big institutions that are so influential, like the Catholic Church, like the Protestant Church, like the Orthodox Church, and we will infiltrate them and co-opt them because they are so influential. People will really follow what the church says, right? So the, one of the ways they started to do this was through forming NGOs or philanthropic foundations. And these are basically huge entities that allow them to wash money, we'll say, large sums of money, and then use it to infiltrate. So one way that this happens specifically would be the Loose Foundation. The Loose Foundation is probably one of the biggest organizations infiltrating churches. 
And they started in 1968 to really kick into high gear with this with something called <clears throat> the Loose Professorship Program. And over 30 years from 1968 to 1998, they placed 72 new faculty appointees at 50 plus colleges and universities who they knew based on, you know, whatever their PhD thesis or master's thesis was, were people who were pro-feminist, who wanted to bring feminism into the churches. So what they'll do is they'll give you a professorship, they'll give you a research grant, they'll give you a position at a university. And from that position, these people can influence the entire culture through these huge influential institutions. Okay, so, you know, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say in defense of uh, the Roman Catholic Church, which is really badly infiltrated now, if anyone's not checked the news lately with Pope Francis no. the last 50 years. No, really? No. But uh, there are eight 20th century popes, beginning with like Pius X. I have a, a nice little Twitter thread as my pin tweet on it, saying, you know, it's a mistake to maintain that women's rights are the same as men's. Women in war or parliament are outside their proper sphere. So you can kind of timestamp that's based Pope Pius X at the beginning of the 20th century. We, so we know up to then it was clean, this clean pedigree of totally, totally what, what the Jesbians and the Christian feminists call misogyny in the church based on Aristotelism. But there, there is, I just wanted to fit in really quickly, Pearl, there is a, uh, an ancient basis for feminism well before the middle 1800s, and that is in the Talmudic tradition. Um, before even Eve, Adam's wife, uh, those who believe in the Talmudic tradition, let's just say that, they have a first wife, apocryphal to all of us Christians, called Lilith. I don't know yeah. if you're old remember the Lilith Fair, Lilith Fest, all the Lilith from Fraser. They were obsessed with her at the beginning of third wave feminism in the mid-90s. Lilith was a demon bitch goddess that mated with Adam. And um, feminists regularly praise her because unlike Eve, who got punished for sinning first and getting Adam to sin first, Lilith got away with her sin. So the feminists love her and it's she's out of the Talmud. And, the you know, lots of the people that are on the list that Rachel's talking about are big subscribers to the Talmud. So so Lilith is a big deal when you hear that name, perk your ears up. That is the ancient key to uh, what, what we start to see getting reified crystallized mm -hmm. in the middle 1800s but also eve they they love eve and they're like hey uh, the original sin was woman rebelling against man a woman doing man's chore mm -hmm. uh his task his domestic duty and making him swap roles it's the og gender dysphoria even in the christian tradition forget apocryphal lilith even in the christian tradition think about it the original sin is feminism a man standing down oh and yeah his woman and yeah. it was it, it was adam not you know inserting his his role you know right. i mean you know he goes it was the woman you gave me and he's like no i gave you this command you are in charge of her you didn't stop her and everybody thinks that like adam wasn't there no adam was there it yep. says it very clearly adam was there she gave him you know the apple and it's just like well, the, the biggest sin, the first sin was Adam not slapping that apple out of her hand, telling her, like, you know, Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you know, like that was that was the first fall. It wasn't necessarily the her doing it. It was him not correcting her before she did it. 
Am, am, am bitches I, passing I, out apples. Bitches are just passing out apples. They're just making us fall, throwing apples. them out. Never and that's why we got this. That's why we got this. <laughs> Wait, Everybody so has an apple. Was Lilith? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to 12 years of Catholic school. Was Lilith in the Bible? Is she in the Bible, Lilith? No. She, yeah, no. she, she is mentioned There's, in Isaiah. There's well, a yes. text in Isaiah where she's mentioned. But she's but not mentioned, but, in but not in the, the not Genesis. in the sense of like sleeping yeah. with Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then how do we know? Like, how do we know who she is? Just a text in Isaiah that mentions a, a demoness or something like that. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah. And then and then later in the Talmud, they really expanded on this. So whether or not she's like uh, a real actual human figure or what, you know, like for people out there who think this is all allegory, uh, you know, I'm not here to like convince you of the, you know, of that right now, but I'm just saying like kind of whether she was real or not, she is the symbol. And so uh, something a lot of people got confused uh, on our last stream Pearl was I was talking about the goddess Kali and uh, how feminists saw her. And there was a bunch of people in the comments that were like, no, we don't believe that as Hindus, we don't. And just to clarify that, I was talking about how feminists see Kali. It's not the same as how Hindus see her. It's the same kind of thing with Lilith. Regardless of the the like historical reality of her, feminists love the lore of Lilith. They like the idea of her. They like the idea of this demonic, strong woman who was not going to lay under Adam. That was like her, her first uh, protest was he wanted to be on top of her. She wasn't having it. She wanted to be on top. And so she fled and ran away. And now she curses babies and, and kills them and things like that. Right. So they just, they more than anything, love the idea. She stands for something. She's symbolic of this perpetual revolution of men or women rebelling against men. What, why don't they, why don't bitches love Jezebel? <laughs> they like you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like if Lilith is going to get like all these props, like, Jezebel did a lot of damage. She like killed people, you know. They, I read they this love, one these goddess yeah. worship girls love all of the all of the vengeful female goddesses, vengeful demonic spirits who are women. They love all of them. Anybody who's you know, they see it as she's raging against the patriarchy. She's a liberator. They see Lucifer the same way as a liberator. So they team Delala, hashtag team Delala. Where's where's my Delala fans at? Yeah. Right. For real. Yeah. No, but Everybody's Rachel, on. what they what they say is also in addition to what you said, um, she got away with it. Lilith is the only one that got away with it. Think of all the other biblical women. They fomented a revolution, but they 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 got theirs. Uh, right. Lilith, why don't we have like a team Ruth or a team Rebecca? Can we get a team well, I'm Leah? Trying. Can we get a team <laughs> Leah? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Wait, so okay. Question. The Talmudic tradition like what does that mean Sorry, not sure how, not sure how deep you want to get into that on youtube <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a long you'll be off you'll be it's, off YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's like a rabbinic uh it's like a rabbinic oral law that was then written down that was that came that came after 70 ad and the temple destruction right guys right right yeah, yeah. Ba Babylonian Babylonian period yeah. of uh, there you of go who who deism uh, yeah you you're gonna get kicked yeah. off YouTube Pearl we don't want to do that to you but uh, it's it's a deep rabbit hole and it's it's a pretty easy uh, find for it's people better out. to have behind a paywall <laughs> if we're gonna have that talk there you go. <laughs> like seriously okay well there's there's some Talmudic tradition with Lilith and so Lilith was like the first like lady 
that fem whore that feminists <laughs> like like yes. and then um also they like jezebel too okay yeah they've, they've got a whole bunch that they like anybody who was rebellious against men and tried to usurp men's power and and proper authority are going to be figures that they like so we're just trying to say kind of this this thread, this theme, this spirit has always been there, but it didn't really pick up steam until after the Industrial Revolution. And I think the reason why is because uh, prior to that, women needed men to do all of the like, we still need men to do the difficult jobs as Pearl and I are pointing out all the time. But right now we have technology that gives women this illusion that all they do is flip on a light switch or push a button and things work. They don't think about the men who build that stuff. But prior to this, women literally couldn't survive without men like quite literally physically materially could not survive without men once the industrial revolution came along and women started getting factory jobs and things started to become mechanized and we got these wealthy industrialists who wanted to push a very liberal agenda and use the church and usurp the church's power in order to influence society and remake it in their image that's why we see all of a sudden in the 19th century this huge explosion in feminism in the church. And I think I would argue you see it first in liberal Protestant circles, then yes. they get into the Roman yeah. Catholic church. And now they're really hammering on orthodoxy because orthodoxy being more Eastern, it was a little bit shielded for longer because of the cold war. And they've just now started to get around to really trying to infiltrate orthodoxy. Okay. And see, like, I think I look at it, I go, well, you know, it's been, this has been talked about since Genesis. I mean, you go to Genesis 3.16, you know, God's rendering down the punishment. And, you know, he says your desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. You take the husband aspect out of it and you look at woman and man, your desire to control men, but men will rule over you. It, right. it, it's, it's, it's almost like it's a it's a prophetic word from God. It's like, look, you're going to want to control them. You're going to try to rule over them. But at the end of the day, they will rule over you. And it, it, like it when we look at feminism and we look at all this stuff that's going on in the church, God's word is not going to come back void. So since his word's not going to come back void, it's like, there's peace in that. Like, okay, yeah, they're going to try to come at us. They're going to try to do this stuff, but those that are faithful to God, God's going to be, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So he will do the due diligence. God's not going to let women rule over men. That's not his order. So if his word says, you know, men will rule over you. Then that's what's going to happen. You know, so there's, there's, there's like peace and hope and understanding so, in that. I want to, I just want to make sure I understand it right. So Plato was the first one who talked about equalitarianism, but the ideas didn't really get pushed forward till the 1800s, like mid 1800s. And that was when there were families that got enough money to impose their will on society. Like before, I'm guessing there wasn't that much of like a wealth gap until the industrial revolution. Well, there's kings and stuff, but but yeah. what there's well, been rich people forever. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. And in, in book five of the oh, go ahead, Jay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm, go ahead. I was just going to say book five of the Republic's what everyone's talking about with Plato, what Jay mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. He says that, like like Jay said, among the the guardians, the patrician class, who are only allowed to spawn with each other like patrician with patrician, even if it's brother and sister, they should be set aside from everyone else. And he still says that men are, Plato's still a misogynist, right? He says men are better at everything than women, but the patrician women will be better than maybe some of the, the lower order males. That's why they're not able to spawn with them. It's also horrifying 
state statecraft type stuff. And Aristotle's yeah. politics is a fundamental response against it, saying, no, the family is the fundamental unit of society. The father's a, a patriarch. This is a big concept, right? Patriarchy means power to fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the politics and the Nicomachean ethics are a response to that. But but really, I would say that that um, ancient feminism is strong there in uh, that book, which shall not be named the Talmud and the Talmudic tradition ran strong under the Christian currents for 18 or 19 centuries um, after Jesus. And then it it popped out uh, by design that that Rachel and Jay know a lot about the particular design. I just described the symptoms in my book. They describe the the elites that really wanted to foment this stuff. So yeah. the elites in the 1800, they rolled into some cash. They're like, wow, I'm like super rich now. What can we do? And they basically started by, wait, so... Hold on, hold on. So they wanted to infiltrate the church because they realized people would listen to the church. And so what they did was they sent professor, they they started NGOs. Yep. I'm guessing probably schools too. Schools, universities are key. Universities, yes. And then we threw the Christians in there and then made them professors and then sent them to the church. I feel like I missed something, but no, that's right. So like Rachel was saying a minute ago about the creation of uh, think tanks and NGOs, that's a little more into the 20th century, but the time period you're talking about late 1800s, early 1900s, they got the idea. Well, what we could do is we can weaponize these ancient techniques and studies like Plato's uh, model of a, of a Republic. It's kind of a quasi communistic society. It's a kind of a socialist society. It's a very rigid structured society. And the elites decided, well, what we could do is study that and turn that into a technology of control. And so the advance in the advances in social sciences, in fact, sociology itself is premised on this idea of technocratic technological control of society from people like Auguste Comte and Saint Just, who are these sort of revolutionary French figures, they figured out they could control society in this way, and so they wanted to control not just the political arena but also the religious arena because more people listened to religion, especially in the 1800s, than they did to politics. So these really wealthy families said, "Well, what we could do is we could fund uh, seminaries and universities, and if we fund that, we can really control who has what chairs of what departments." There's a whole chapter, again, in the Rockefeller's biography just on the creation of different universities like uh, Chicago University. They created that. They also gave money to Union Seminary and that oh, allowed dad them. Oh, went a... there. No. <clears throat> yeah. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> dad has been it doesn't mean everybody that goes there is like some sort of agent. Or so. It just means that the universities are created usually by wealthy people to pick who would go into being like the you know, the head of some important Roman Catholic seminary or some important uh, Protestant seminary. So that's how you would con- you place your certain people in the head of the departments, and then they can decide who goes into the, you know, pr- professional field, the academic field. So they basically and- make these propaganda things, basically. So they make the prop like, and they in- reinterpret Aristotle and all these, like, thinkers to confuse yeah. everybody. They're like, yes. And then yeah. they pick their favorites and send them to the church yep. and put them in positions of power. You guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one example I have here. If, go ahead, if go you ahead, guys, 
Oh, I was just going to say, I have one quick example. So like if people are watching and going, okay, that sounds like a good theory, you guys, but like specifically who, where, what? <clears throat> Columbia University is one that received a really large grant from the Luce Foundation to create something called the Center for Democracy, Toleration, and Religion. And this is an organization at Columbia University in their theological departments, their religion departments, that seeks to wedge feminism and LGBT progressive ideologies into traditional religions specifically. So their stated goal is, oh, we, we don't want these old backwards traditional Christians and, and Jews and Muslims. We're going to create this uh, department that, that pushes these modernist specifically feminism, because you can't have the Skittles stuff, you can't have all the other progressive things until you get the feminism in there first. So they specifically created this to push feminism into the traditional sphere of the three major religions. Wait, is yeah. that why we had all the all the gay priests? Yes. Feminism oh. is opened the door for the gay Protestant pastors, the Lutherans, and the, the what the Methodists. I think the Methodists have a huge gay population, and and now we have female pastors because of of feminism, you know. And and it goes back to what does the Bible say? Nobody said nobody's asking the question. What does God's word say? Why? Because God's word gives us a standard, an expectation. Right. And that doesn't fit with this social, you know, justice warrior, new worldview. Wait a minute. I have to meet a standard. You expect me to meet a standard? No, I don't like standards that. We're changing God. Yeah. Standards are mean. Yeah. Standards no, oppress God didn't, people. My God didn't say that. My, my God doesn't have a standard. No, you're wrong. God is love. Yes. But you know what love is? Love is also discipline. Yeah, that's where hippie Jesus comes from this. Like, yes. it really kind of started in the Protestants first, because we had the Great Awakening in the middle of the 1800s. And it was this big, like, outdoor revival thing where the most charismatic person who could build the biggest crowd would get these first few mega churches. And we're just coming out of the Civil War where, you know, um, slavery is ending and there's a lot of civil rights activism going on. And they tied the feminism stuff right in with that and started pushing this through these like liberal Protestant churches first. And those really caught steam because they those ideas blend really well with Americanism type of ideas of like liberation theology. And then um, as Tim was talking about, the, the Roman Catholic Church held the line pretty well for the beginning of the 20th century. And then slowly they became, became infiltrated next. Was that when there was some, cause I thought, I thought we were better than everyone else, the Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> Until I found out about the priests, I'm like, dang it. And, and then, but then my mom was saying how the church changed when she was a kid. Like they used to have like longer services and there wasn't female altar girls. And I was like, oh, the when she said the female altar girls, I was like, dang it, they got us too. So is that like when it switched or was it before? Yeah, in the, in the prep preparatory period throughout the middle 20th century leading up to second vatican council your mom probably told you that too pearl is that 1962 to 1965 there was a revolution and um the culture of the church inverted at vatican ii it's not a, it's not a panacea because they had to prep it 
And so over the course of the 20th century leading to 1962, they changed it. And there were, to be fair, there were some factors going against us. We were, as a church, we're flying into the headwind um, of Stalin and Stalinist Russia. Uh, they, we now know from the testimony of Bella Dodd before like house and senatorial un-American uh, activities. Bella Dodd was a, an American communist who worked for Stalin directly. And once uh, Fulton Sheen reconverted her to the church, she, she told all what she was supposed to do. She put 1,100 Skittles men into the priesthood um, to pollinate bad ideas and to do what Skittles men do, uh, you know, after Vespers or whatever, when they have their free period on, on Saturday nights. What are Skittles? And those men. It's uh, just like, our YouTube friendly way of saying like, taste the rainbow, if you know what I mean. My, co my code. The <laughs> I, I'm borrowing it's from J. The alphabet. I, I, I thought we're using J code here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's J just, algorithm code. Yeah, yeah, he has he has a whole lexicon, but I, I, I've taken I've <laughs> taken that turn over and Transformers, you know. So I mean, Skittles, mm -hmm. Skittles, and Transformers that that stuff was placed into the priesthood by Stalin directly. We have the the testimony of Bella Dodd after she reconverted. She said a bunch of those eleven hundred men she she personally put into the priesthood to do the Skittles thing and to invert the doctrines to feminism were uh four of them were in the cardinalate were very very high up and there were a bunch of bella dodds that's why everybody uh you know michael scott says everybody's priest is michael jackson but one important concept that we shouldn't miss before we go on based on the last thing rachel said is that feminism is the og gender dysphoria when you tell women that you know act like a guy then the next morphological step is, hey, if women can act like a guy, feminism in the middle 1800s, by the middle 1900s, really the late 50s, is when um, it started becoming, you know, women women can be like a guy. And not only did they go into the workplace, but this led to the, the Skittles movement, right? If you can act like the opposite sex, you can be the opposite sex in the bedroom. And then uh, shortly after that, you said, hey, if you can act like them here or generally, then you can be them. If a guy throws on a dress, he's no longer a, a, a vestite, a transformer vestite, but he is actually, he's ontologically changed. He's now a woman. So all this comes from women not being comfortable being who they are. Women are the glory of man, like scripture says. Man is the yep. glory of God. Women are the glory of man. That's directly out of uh, St. Paul. I would say it even goes back to, you said it, it's like the first, you know, um, I say it goes to, it's, it's the first antichrist spirit. If you really want to look at it, it's anti-God. It's an yes. feminism is anti-Christ. Yes. It's against everything that God talks about. God's Bible, yeah. God's word. It's anti-Christ. So feminism is, ant is an anti-Christ spirit, you know, that has infiltrated our churches, our societies, our cultures, but it was, Again, you go back to Genesis and God says, don't worry, this is this thing is going to be here, but it's not going to have power. It's not going to have enough power to rule over, you know, and and I think that's, you know, there, there's there's power in that hope and knowing what God says, like, hey, they're going to want this. They're going to want to have power over you, but men will still rule over them at the end of the day. My order is still my order and my control and my word has more power than what their agenda is. So why are the, the not, okay. 
the 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 protestants are the worst no offense i don't know i don't know what your religions are here but i i noticed the fem and i couldn't tell i could not explain it this is before i was at all red pilled okay this is like pearl was going to some church in milwaukee for two years and I just like noticed something was off in the like why are the protestant churches the men are so feminine in them like they like and i, and I couldn't we'll have really a good... understand why and i couldn't explain how but i was just like they speak like women they act like women and the churches are like like women and it was so bad there was like a date i remember i was sitting in the church and what they would do is there was like a dating um like where they would set people up like from the younger people you know like a dating thing whatever um and like matchmaking i guess it was 90 percent women in this matchmaking so this was the 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 demographics of like the younger you know there's more older men but the younger people and so i'm just like why like one this is like they only allowed you to date in the church so i was like this is like a recipe for disaster we're all gonna die alone and two <laughs> and, and two and two i was like why are the guys like so feminine in the church mind you that wasn't always the case now i'm old so i don't know everybody else's age but i remember tbn had the power team Okay, who remembers the power team? Those no. yoked out bodybuilders on stage, lifting all this weight, praising God, you know, ripping phone books in half. You know, it was like the WWE of Christianity on TBN. And they were they were very masculine men. Now, but that that was like the late 80s, early 90s, you know, but even before that, you know, I, I think, and this is just my personal opinion when they adopted the servant leader model, okay, back in 19, what, 70, I think it was, that's when we started seeing men becoming more submissive, servitude, more feminine, in, in my opinion. The servant leader model, what's that? Yes, Robert Greenleaf wrote uh, about the servant leader, and it wasn't even biblically based. And right. then the church was like, hey, that sounds good. That kind of sounds like Jesus. We're going to put the Jesus fish stamp over this and approve it and take it and run with it. I mean, that's the gist of it. But I'll let the scholars go a little further because <laughs> that's just my version. Well, that that's very uh, interesting to hear that, that the, the servant leader thing was in the Protestant churches as well. I just listened to a new author called uh, Domestic Extremist, who's a fellow Catholic and, and wrote some really good things. I'm also a, a regnery author, so I, I, I want to be careful here. But she wrote this Domestic Extremist book, went on um, Clavin's show about it on Daily Wire. And he was like, look, what about wifely submission? And she's like, no, 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 no. That's not what that 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 doesn't mean that those nine passages in saint paul they don't mean a woman has to submit even though it says just get rid of ephesians it doesn't matter ephesians 5 is garbage well it's not just ephesians 5 it's so it's it's corinthians it's colossians it's titus it's, it's peter Timothy. i have yeah. them all there's first peter there you are you yeah. you the protestant knows them but most catholics don't and and here's the thing um servant leader must have been something that was descended down from on high from the elites that were saying infiltrate Eastern Orthodoxy, Roman Catholicism, and, and the Protestant churches, because all they say, I, I did a, a show on my channel taking issue with Father Mike Schmitz, who said the exact same thing. What are all these submission passages in the Bible? They're only ever address uh, uh, Ephesians 5. And they all say, it just means a man's a servant. Yeah, okay, a man's a, a leader. 
But here's what I mean by leader. He takes orders from his wife. He serves her nonstop. Like that's a follower. They just, they, they buy the top line by the bottom line of the equation. They've flipped it out for its inverse. What's the inverse of uh, a leader? It's a follower. And it, it's evidently there in in the the playbook for all the churches. Well, like oh, wait. Pastor Mike Joel Webin. That wait, you think he he's like feministy? It, oh it's yeah. In, it's it's in the mainstream church now. Yeah. So like Ascension Presents, Pearl did. Uh, no. They did. They no, did a Ascension video. Presents. Yeah, of course. It's it's no. mainstream. <laughs> you know. So I wrote. I wrote this book two years ago. My my wife wrote this one, Ask Your Husband. And this is the one we really got come after for by even center-right Catholic outfits. Like um, Jackie Francois did a video for Ascension Presents four years ago before we'd written our, our two books. And it was like, hey, Ephesians 5 doesn't mean a woman has to submit. It, it really means whatever the hell they say about it. However you, you say A is not A, A is the opposite of A. It was very popular video. It's gotten tons of views. Four years later, this is three three and a half weeks ago, after everyone's in the Catholic world anyway, has, has at least heard about these books, if not read them. Father Mike came out and he's like, look, there's a lot of Catholic YouTubers, he's talking about myself and my wife, who are saying that submit really means submit. And Christ said, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. I, I guess yes is supposed to mean no in this case. <laughs> but um, it's not you know, consent. Look, <laughs> let's let's to, yeah yeah it's it's not uh, post post enlightenment uh consent <laughs> but um you know he did this video and the comments were quite a white pill the comments were like no you need to read these books or you need to look at these passages in scripture more importantly than anyone's books and it was it, it shows that you can actually shift the overton window back to the right it never happens but with a little bit of luck and a little bit of uh, providence, you can you can shift it back. But yeah, Father Mike and Ascension presents there. They might be center right on abortion, or they might be even far right on abortion. But it, the feminism issue is the main one. People have to get their heads around this. It is the main yes. political issue. It's the main cultural issue. It's the true red pill. Christianity is a one hundred percent not egalitarian. Men and women have different ranks, Absolutely. and people in the church, in the Catholic Church, are hiding. I also want to stick up for the Protestant Calvinists. Calvinist Protestants are really based. There's a base yes. Calvinist called Doug Wilson. His yep. daughter wrote an amazing book on it. That's a lot. That the most similar book to to Steph's, my my wife's, which is asking. I would even go further than that. It'd be go back to Del Rock. You know, Del Rock had a blog on uh red pill and christianity and uh actually him and doug wilson used to trade paint they used to debate now doug wilson is is as recently has this epiphany and change in his uh uh belief system or in his understanding interpretation of the bible because as of four years ago him and del rock were going back and forth over biblical patriarchy and and a male-led role you know um i believe uh del rock or um uh, Doug Wilson said, like, if your wife doesn't want to have sex with you, it's like, that's God's, you know, telling you, you're not, you're not doing good enough <laughs> as a husband. So like, this is, this is, so I'm not saying I'm glad that he changed and he got more enlightened, but it's still relatively new. I would go back to Del Rock's writing on his blog, which is still up, you know, um, oh. he hasn't been writing since writing since 2020, I think, but um, you know, he's, that goes back further, but you know, it's funny because you, you mentioned Peter, you mentioned Titus, you mentioned Timothy. 
everybody wants to skip over the Bible and pick and choose what is what it is instead of taking God's word for its entirety. And let me just say this, the, the consequence for those pastors, priests, ministers, whoever is great. I mean, that, that right there is being a false prophet. That's being a false teacher. You know, like the Bible's very clear about what's going to happen to those who, who taint God's word to, you know, to change the doctrine. Yeah, Jay can, Jay can answer that question about why Protestants first though. Maybe we should, we didn't really get like, Jay knows a lot about why Protestant, why did Protestantism get hit first? Do you think Jay? Well, I think since they're not in any way centralized, I mean, the Roman Catholic Church is the most centralized. The Orthodox Church is less centralized, but still has a hierarchy and still has sort of centers of power and institutional um, influence through certain schools and patriarchates. And then Protestantism is really decentralized, so it's a lot easier to buy off and create, you know, just on the fly kind of, you know, strip mall churches, strip mall seminaries or whatever. So that was easier. There's also an element that's pretty obvious. I think a lot of people are overlooking, which is that one reason that ministers don't want to offend the congregation is that a lot of the tithes come from the women. So if you, if you start going against feminism and the dads aren't present, you got a, a cucked, uh, congregation, a congregation, right? They're not going to be, they're not going to be giving the, they're not going to be giving the tithe. So it's going to cost the church quite a bit. So they're going to preach the things that are, um, safe and easy, lowest common denominator. Those are factors. And then again, you know, you had, I think by the 1930s, most of the Protestant major mainline denominations were pretty much conquered and liberalized across the board. That's where we get these little Protestant splits like the OPC and the PCA from the PCUSA. So the Presbyterians kind of splintered. The other groups have the same splintering when you get this, but it just becomes so institutionalized or what we call institutional capture. Once you have the institution, whether it's the denomination of Methodists or the um, Episcopalians, once they're captured, there's really no place for any male authority or leadership there because you're going to be ostracized. They don't want you there. And that's when they just roll out the Skittles flags on all the churches. So that's a process of institutional capture. Okay, so question. Are the people pushing this conscious or brainwashed? Because I'm going I'm to give you guys an example. So I used to think that women should vote. You know what I mean? I was like, women, we should vote. <laughs> and then last year, it was like a year ago, I was like, should women vote? And I was kind of kidding. And then I was like, oh, my God, we shouldn't vote. Now, now, I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know what you guys' opinions on that is. But, but I didn't realize that, like, women voting is part of feminism in a way. Like, I thought that was like a good thing. Women just had to fight and like win and whatever. Yay, we got to vote and we fought so hard for this. Didn't realize we don't really deserve to vote. But that's a, that's a whole different, different, different lane. But, but so my question is like, I just kind of was repeating programming that I'd heard in school, right? Like, they taught us in school that women had to fight to vote. We finally got the right to vote and yay. Um, in the churches, is this conscious or has it just been repeated for so long that we believe it? I think it's been re- like nobody challenges it anymore. See, like the, the, the Sunday service is this. You don't even need to bring your Bible anymore. They got it on the overhead. All right. They'll even highlight the scripture for you. You don't got to do any work. They make it zero work for you to do. And then you have the pastor 
And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't know if you guys are a fan of Matt Chandler's, but I'm gonna ride on him on this whole Jesus wants the rose thing. You know, he has this clip out there where he's talking about promiscuity and he was at this uh youth group thing and he brought this woman who's a single mom who's having an affair with a marrying man and the pastor brings this rose out and shares it with the audience and you know tells everybody to smell the rose see how beautiful the rose is and when the rose gets back to him the rose is broken it's wilted it's all and then he asks who would want this talking about promiscuity right and then he said all angry like jesus wants the rose you're right Jesus wants the rose, but no man's going to marry that rose. So why don't you talk about the fact that promiscuity is still bad? So it's a doctrine that, if I want to say this, it's been taught. Nobody's doing nobody's doing any challenges because these are men of God, right? They studied like I studied. You know, they, these guys must know, right? Everybody's lazy. Nobody wants to do the work themselves. I, I, I kid you not. I was in a service one day, and this pastor told me, he believes that in order to be married, you have to go through the state. I said, tell me what scripture that is. Thou shalt get married with the state. You show me where that is in the Bible and I will, you know, take back my statement. He couldn't. He kept on arguing. Then the head pastor came out and I asked him the same thing. He goes, it's not. I was like, exactly. You don't even know what you're preaching about, whether it's doctrinable or not. But just because you heard it and you don't want to do your own research, you're just going to run with the story that sounds the best. Yeah. And now we're in a position where because feminism is the default setting, you guys, like Pearl was just saying, like she thought a certain way prior to, you know, doing some research and getting into this world and learning a bunch of stuff. She just thought a certain way because it was the default of what everyone around her said, what everyone around her thought, what she heard in school, what she saw in the media. It's the default setting. So now in order for a, a pastor, a priest, anybody, any man to preach against this, to say this is not, this should not be the default setting. This was a mistake. You're swimming against the entire current of the whole culture. You're going to get, you know, trashed in the media. You're going to get attacked by women. You're going to get attacked by cucked men. You're no, going so to get... nice to us, Rachel. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's such sweetie pies. If you say, Hey, wait a minute. I think there's something to this patriarchal order that God designed. I think it's better. Everybody loses their minds because then it, and it becomes, you hate women. Uh, you want, you must be an abuser, you know? So especially for a man to push back on this is really tough now because they get accused of all sorts of things. So it just makes it really hard. I know when I wake up, first thing I think is how can I abuse some ladies today? Right? <laughs> uh, let's do some abuse. What's the, no, uh, one thing I wanted to add to that at the ground level, it's not really intentional. It's just repeating the, um, you know, mind wash, brain, brainwashing, the, the, the loop, the, the feedback loop, basically pre repeating what they were told. But there is actually, there are institutes that study how to weaponize this. And so, for example, Tavistock is one of these key institutions, which everybody knows is public in the last five years has been cheering on yeah, the main Tavistock. brains behind yeah, the Tavistock Institute. They're the main uh, brains behind the push for the idea that we can all morph into whatever we want to morph into, change into things, right? That's all from Tavistock. That same institute has been there for 100 years, weaponizing and engineering strategies to alter and even collapse society. Wow. Yeah, remember, 
Pearl, you tweeted about this and you mentioned it in a recent video that trauma used to be something we referred to as like you came home from the war after seeing God awful things and you had trauma. Tavistock is the institute that took that, took trauma and shell shock from war and figured out how to kind of weaponize it and use propaganda to convince everyone that any any experience you've had is trauma, that kind of thing. So that's where that comes from. And we're women. We just believe anything. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you tell us damn near anything. We're like, yes. Women are very easily propagandized. What I realized too is like they like they weaponize words so they'll like switch the definite i i realize it's a system where that's a tavistock word and they'll be like we need to just change the definition of this word and confuse everybody and so like i i noticed this with sexual assault i'm like what's a sexual assault what is it i don't even know like is it a guy grabbing a girl's butt at the bar is it rape is it is it like what is it and I was thinking, I'm like, I hear this word all the time, essay, but I, nobody really knows what it means. And I was like, they add in all these big words that nobody knows what they mean. That's why I don't like people that use big words. Okay. <laughs> I think we should return to small words because I'm tired of being confused in life. So they, they you know, it's funny. I got these- a clip. I got a clip for you. And this is from uh, Pastor Joel Webbin. So Tim, you probably know who he is. He, he's actually close with Doug Wilson. Uh, Jay, you heard of uh, Joel Webin? No, okay. I'm, I'm going to share this. And he, he talks about the feminization of the church. And it's actually really good. Um, here we go. You have to share your screen. Oh, there. Ways, ways that I think are borderline blasphemous. Jesus is my boyfriend worship music. They talk about daddy God and, 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 and my lover Jesus in ways that I, I, are really blasphemous. They're, they're, they're gross. It is not biblical. It's weird. It's really weird. And the reason that this goes on is because the church is effeminate. Because men don't go to church. And chicken or the egg. Don't want to just beat up the men. Men don't go to church because church isn't for men. Every church has almost, almost explicitly said at this point, hey, if you're a man, we're not here for you. We exist for women and children. Yep. Yep. And if you are going to come to church, we're going to treat you like Homer Simpson. We're going to treat you like you're dumb, you're stupid. Right? We can't preach for an hour. And we can't use theological terms. God forbid a man has to use Google on the way out the door. So you didn't define that term, Pastor. Great, look it up. Do your work. Nobody talks, seriously, no 21-year-old goes to their professor in university after class and says, I don't appreciate you using uh, a difficult language. Pearl. The professor would say, well, buckle up, buttercup. Get your big boy pants on. Let's be an adult. But we have made church for the weak, for women, for children, there's activities, there's coloring, crafts, there's snacks, there's food, crafts. it's 25 minute long sermon, puppet ministry, no theological terms being used, and men would rather go hunting, shocker, <laughs> because they're men, that's why, men have failed in multiple arenas, but it's not just men. 
I mean, here's another thing that you see in church. It's just to show the effeminacy, the feminization of the church. Every Mother's Day, you hear a sermon that says, thank God for moms. And I would say yes and amen. Every Father's Day, you hear a sermon that says, do better dads. Yeah, so true. And celebrate single moms. I think yeah. there's a problem yeah. with that. Yeah. If any sin ever is preached about in the church, it is right always here. some kind of masculine sin. But that's not the way the Bible reads. Right? It's not always that a man is a predator, that a man is an abuser. In the Proverbs, we see that there is a wayward woman that her feet never stay at home. She's a feminist. She's an entrepreneur. Only fans. She's a young professional. She her feet are never at home. And she's going out into the street to and fro looking for men to devour. Anytime we see sexual immorality in the church, what do we immediately assume? The man devoured the woman. That's entirely possible. We have Bible verses that talk Wait, about that pause too. It, pause it. But pause. we have like about I, a I am so tired of hearing about how the women were so broken when they had sex. I'm so tired of this. It's just like, what do you mean you were broken, Diane? You slept with like four guys on the football team. You were horny. <laughs> like, get out of here. Like, Wait till he finishes. Like he talks oh about. Oh my like, god! Sorry, I just needed to add that. I'm so tired of these women. They would come in. They would give us chastity speakers, and all it was. And I was thinking about this. I was like, all this is is a reward for being a hoe because yep. she gets her husband at the end. She's like, oh, it's always the Ranther chick. It's the Jason and Christiniana Everett is like the Catholic's favorite. No offense, they seem like nice people, but she only got away with being a hoe because she was hot, okay? I'm sorry, I gotta say it, I gotta say yep. it. And they they'll just do, and I was like, wait, so she got to be a hoe. She went, she went a bit like was a big hoe. Then they reward her with the husband. And then now she gets to make a career off of being a hoe? I'm like, what? <laughs> I remember well, saying, yeah, we're, we're almost intentionally telling young women, have your hot girl summer, have your hoe phase. It's fine. You can just repent later and then you'll be a born of the end virgin and it's fine. Well, they, right. because they tell guys like, hey, you need to forgive them of their sins. No, God forgave you of your sins. I don't got to forgive you and take you as a wife because you decided to be a hoe. And you know, I like on, I said this on Tim cast and this guy like, um, this guy that was on too, he's like a cat. He was like, oh, I don't think you should phrase it like that. I'm like, well, that's what happened. Why can't I describe what happened? Because it's mean to women, Pearl, and you're stupid. <laughs> no, it's this, it's this paradox of we're going to infantilize women and act like, you know, you can never be mean to them. You can never criticize them in the slightest, but also they're strong and independent and they don't need men. And all. it's just... This feminism is a paradox. It is a, co a contradiction, a complete and total contradiction. And it's double think. But this is one of the reasons why it's so appealing to elites and other people who are anti-Christ. Like you guys were saying, this feminism is at the end of the day, a rebellion against God, the father himself, the mm -hmm. idea of God, the father, it's a rebellion against that. And so anytime they can invert or confuse or use double speak or contradictory 
ideas like this, this is why feminists go crazy. If you're wondering why they get crazier and more insane as they get older, it's because you can't just live with this total cognitive dissonance and total contradiction in your head and try to build a life on that. You'll go crazy. But that's and why they finish like this real quick. Go ahead, yeah, Tim. Yeah, can I just, before you go on, can I say something on what he said on Mother's and Father's Day? Yeah. Uh, which is, I wanted to tweet this on Father's Day, and I'm pretty bold on Twitter, but probably, Pearl, you're the only one out of us that could get away with it. Mother's Day, and I, I, had, a, I had a nice, good mom, but Mother's Day was, I've talked to lots of dudes about this behind the scenes, always one of the worst days of the year. The, the expectation control that is run like a PSYOP for Mother's Day, it's like the, it's become like the Christmas shopping season. Father's Day is nothing. Shame on you, men. But Mother's Day is one of the worst days of the year. You create these expectations in even goodly women who run around like a tyrant. Like, oh, you only got me a card and a flower. I'm like, I'm sorry. The holiday was made up 50 years ago or 40 years ago. It's it's really, really bad. And that's it's because almost idolatry. The number one, the number one cardinal rule of feminism that that goes like a thin blue line through all of the things we're talking about here today is never ever, ever are you allowed for any reason at any time to say something negative about a woman. And you can always and should always say negative things about men. That will run through every phase of, if we talk yeah. about the red pill stuff, masculinism yeah. stuff, women, what Pearl, what you're talking about with, with hoes, that's it. And, and it, it cross fertilizes what he said about and I uh, can't even and I can't even say that 35 year old women are uglier than 25 year old women. <laughs> yeah, because it's I the mean, cardinal rule. Yeah, because it's you're, you're you're saying that there's a standard. That it goes back to women not wanting to meet a standard weeks. for weeks. <laughs> I mean, Here I don't go. I'm gonna finish this. Like, there's like a but by Christian like a, women in delusion. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> there's a really good part he's about to say here. I want I wanted to highlight okay, this. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Third of the book of Proverbs, talking about a woman. It says her room. She goes out. She seeks men. She's not being sought by them. She goes and gets them, leads them like, like, a, like a lamb to the slaughter. And it says in her house, there are dead men's bones. She's a man-eater. She's a man-eater. Right? That, like, that's a biblical song. There are women like that that devour men. But pastors don't preach about that. Why? Because, well, biblically, pastors should be men. And we feel like only a woman can challenge other women. No, the word of God is what speaks to us. We don't speak from our experience. The authority of preaching, brothers and sisters, is not the experience of the man. The authority of preaching is the truth of the word. The reason why I can confidently say to men, women, or children, thus saith the Lord, is because God wrote a book. So, I mean... There you go. Like, we don't have pastors like that, like him, enough of them going out there and, and saying exactly what's in the Bible. No, we, and that's, that's the problem. And it, I think, I think Jay mentioned it earlier. It's about the money. Let's just face it. You know, it's about the money. Why? Because more women pay the tithes. Men ain't going to church. Okay. As you heard, they'd rather go hunting. They'd rather, you know, work on their car. They'd rather watch NASCAR. They watch football on Sunday. They'd rather pay their money to do that than go to a church, because hear a pastor, criticize them for just being a man. <laughs> well, at the level of the middle managers, at the level of the middle managers, and by that I mean bishops and 
whatever, like pastors in the Protestant church, but but bishops for, for Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, yes, they care about the money, but above them, it's about much, 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 much more than money. It's about social control. The fundamental scheme of the, I'm just going to say it, the, um, the elitists who are Luciferians is about destroying the, what's called the single cell of society, the family. And how do you do that? You turn men and women against each other, which is why Skittles and, and Transformers, you know, which are just later iterations, later versions of the original gender dysphoria, feminism. Feminism affects 99 out of 100 households, okay? Whether or not they're divorced and it actually broke the marriage, it fundamentally perverts everyone to think their mom's a boss. And what they want to do at the very highest echelons of society is, is not, they don't care about the money. These people have money beyond money. The people that that Jay and Rachel are talking about in their books. The middle managers, the little petty, you know, the Bishop of you know, Tuscaloosa, wherever, uh, bumfuck, whatever, they care about the money. So they'll go along with it. Right. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll bracket, literally bracket Ephesians 5 verses 21, 22, 23 in the Roman Catholic Missal. And again, Father Mike Schmitz was defending bracketing Ephesians 5, by the way, in the Missal when you read along in, in a Catholic church after Vatican II. But can I ask you no, guys a question the on that? Echelon, it's about more than money. Yeah. So I look at Ephesians 5 and I see three commandments. Okay. Husbands love your wives. That's a commandment. Wives submit to your husbands and everything. That's a commandment. Wives respect your husbands. That's a commandment. It, nowhere in there does it say, hey, husbands, love your wives when she gives you good head. Okay. Husbands, love your wives when she cleans the house. Husbands love your wives when she's not giving you an attitude. It doesn't say that. Just as it doesn't say, hey, wives, submit to your husbands when you feel like it, when you feel like he's being a good boy, when he's being a good servant leader, then you submit to him. Respect him only as a good servant leader. No, it doesn't say that. And it's like when you are preaching or when they're preaching this, this tainted, disordered version of the gospel that's why we have divorce that's why we have the problems in relationships that we do because they have perverted god's word to fit a feminist narrative to appease the people that are paying for these jets and these you know youtube channels and they're paying for the lavish lifestyle that they get to make by uh by disordering the bible amen would you guys agree to that yeah, I was thinking about the whole idea of first thing that if we wanted to cl uh, cleanse the church, you get rid of praise and worship because all that stuff is gay, right? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Daddy God, yeah, that, Daddy God, right. like, but so dead. all of society, never get my right? So to go to church, that kind of church, I could never get him to go. He just he could not tolerate a whole church filled with women doing this with their hands and the like. They want the emotional it's emotion it's emotive right so so this yeah. is so this is an emotion-based religion and that goes along with a society that is geared towards fairness right when i was saying e e egalitarian equalitarian that's just an idea that oh all of society should be reorganized to be fair and equal but what's ironic about that is that there's even studies now that show that the 
constantly appealing to being a victim and to 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 principles of equality and then social you know virtue signaling right that's actually a technique to gain status in society and to extract resources and attention so it's it's now what used to be supposedly about equality and rights is now a tool to destroy people right cancel culture is a way to go after people and destroy them as a, a sneaky little sus technique right in the same way, the society is now reorganized to be supposedly about fairness and equality and how we feel, right? Not what's true or what's false, but do your words make people feel bad, right? That's all a feminine-based society. It doesn't mean that women are evil, but it just means that you can't organize principles on the, you can't organize society on the basis of like the feminine traits. It has to be organized on the basis of, you know, masculine. Jordan Peterson always talks about the patriarchy masculine logos principles right that's a there's a reason for that because that's how you could order society and you actually have a running functioning society you can't have society function on the basis of who who makes me feel bad because then it turns into a tool a technique for destroying people uh and, and lying basically i knew it i knew okay i couldn't i can never articulate it people are like but but no because even with the 25 versus 35 year old like tweet I had, everyone was like, well, why do you say it like that? I'm like, well, because it's true. And then, and then I get run up the flag. I mean, I don't care. I think it's funny. All these like married women tweeting me their selfies. <laughs> They're happily married. You know I'm sexy I mean? at 52, Pearl. How dare yeah, you? What kind of happy, I don't know who these ladies are, but to be honest, don't know their backstory. But I'm like, what are these happy wives and mothers are like, competing for my approval of their hotness <laughs> like like this is kind of weird you know what i mean like <laughs> but what jay said is really important to to super important to connect to something you said earlier pearl you don't trust dudes that use big words because big words can be weaponized the far greater danger comes from the uh new emotive response that's centrally planned centrally controlled and then descended to the the hoi polloi the population on common words so common words particularly little words in the bible far more dangerous what they do when you say like look submission submission is submission right uh like i said a domestic extremist just went on clavin show two conservatives and they're both running down submission father mike schmitz a center-right conservative in the church, running down submission. Submission's a word everyone knows what it means. We know what it means so much that they program this response that what they have, even the conservatives say, is that if you align yourself with, yeah, if you're a Christian, whether you're Protestant, Orthodox, or Catholic, you have to take this seriously. And it means what it says it means. But they are always talking about cheating and beating. Uh, even the ones that will defend it, in the Catholic church are like, no, I don't mean a man can cheat or beat. It's like, why the fuck would you say that it means cheating and beating? Well, like, that's like saying, you know, I'm, I'm eating a delicious meal right now, not poison. That doesn't make sense. Right. Like eating and beating has nothing to do with leading. Like if you're a leader and your wife has to submit to you, you shouldn't have to stipulate that you're doing the opposite of a good job. Well, there was actually well, the a huge, there was actually a big propaganda campaign around the turn of the 20th century when 
because women's suffrage was deeply unpopular with the general public, deeply unpopular. They couldn't get women interested in it. They couldn't get women to back it. Most men didn't support it. It was this tiny fringe element. So they launched a huge propaganda campaign that was also part of the temperance movement. That like uh, It was this propaganda campaign that all men are alcoholics. They spend all day drinking and then they come home and beat their wives. And this is why we need women's liberation. And you say liberation from what? And they go from horrible men because men are abusers. Men have too much power, which leads them to just automatically abuse. And then we think to ourselves that somehow if women have power, they won't abuse because they're gentle and sweet or something. Not borne out by the actual stats at all. Uh, Will Noland is really good on these stats. I have a ton of these stats. When you look at women in power, they actually tend to be more abusive than men in many cases. Like, for instance, in the juvenile justice system, nine out of 10 children who are assaulted as inmates in a juvenile facility are actually assaulted by women who are like, uh, you know, authority figures in these places. So this was part of a huge propaganda campaign to convince everyone that men were the danger, men were the, the social problem, they're all alcoholics, they're all just beating the crap out of everyone, just abusing everybody. It's It was grossly overblown. Are there some men sometimes who do this? Yes, but women are more guilty of domestic violence and assault to higher degrees, yep. and they do tend to be a lot more apt to abuse power when they get it. So this Rachel. idea that everyone has that all men are just waiting, they're just waiting for their chance. Like Jay said, they wake up in the morning, how can I abuse some ladies today? That was a big part of the propaganda to push feminism in. And it's so ingrained in people's minds, it's very hard to get them out of thinking it. Well, and I'm like, have you seen us during a breakup? We're so irrational. The fact you light that a man's us- house on fire. Yeah. Like- the man's car with there's a I got my door busted. Song by- <laughs> yeah, there's a popular country song by Carrie Underwood about catching her boyfriend cheating and destroying the guy's car. It's a hit. I got my, I got my it's front a door busted. It's a bop. Yeah. It's a bop. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, it's funny because totally fine. Imagine if a man came out with a song saying, Hey, I caught my girlfriend cheating, so I destroyed her house or her car. That would never even be released. But when a girl does it, I'm waiting for the Islam rapper. I'm waiting for the Islam rapper to come out and be like, I caught my girl cheating, then I stoned that hoe. I caught my girl. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it'll be a bop, right? Dude, everyone you know. jumped on my face Pearl, for for a tweet the other day i i took that line from 1993 sandlot you know uh you play ball with like a girl the most famous line in the movie and that was right at the beginning of third wave feminism played great right it was everyone's favorite line but it was fourth wave feminism and the un by the way uh agenda 2030 huge push to get more women in pro sports so it, even after third wave feminism that was still a popular line. I said in my tweet, uh, this sucks because even most conservatives now would be like, why is that funny? Uh, maybe girls are great at sports, which is obviously bullshit. And everyone <laughs> jumped on my case. So what I did, a la Pearly Things, I went and I found a reunion of the Sandlot guys from a couple years back, 20 years after, 30 years after. And they were set that it was specifically, hey, would this line be in the movie now? And they were all like, no, like some female MMA fighter would kick our ass, blah, blah, blah. No. And, and the director said, yeah, we would put that line in the movie if we wanted it to flop. 
that proves a, a few things at once, proved my point, which is really what I give a fuck about. But it also proved that even second and third wave feminism hadn't yet made that line off limits. Cuckservatives will, will, will whine and moan about how you can't say the kindergarten cop line anymore. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. They're Just like, oh, no, there's not a tumor. I know, I know yeah, that kid actor. So, uh, Pearl, you know him too, actually. Uh, that is Thor's little brother. RP Thor's little brother is um, Miko Hughes, who's the little boy that says, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Like, like no, I, he's still the same size too. Same height <laughs> as he was in that movie. But you know what's funny? Uh, the, and you brought up cucking, right? And I told my wife that I wasn't going to bring this up unless somebody brought it up and she's looking at me. Um, but cucking goes back to the infeminate man, which in Leviticus is a sin. All right. It's like when, if what I think that describes like if two men are fighting and her husband's getting beat up and she reaches down and grabs the dude's balls and like breaks his nuts or whatever, that's making him an infinite man. And that woman should get her, her hand chopped off for doing such a thing. That's in Leviticus. Think about how the church is cucking men today with this feminine, you know, narrative. It is, it, they are literally destroying men within using God to destroy, using God's word to try to destroy men. And it's like, why aren't, why aren't these pastors doing anything about it? And that, that comes back to the question. Why isn't there enough Rachel's, Tim's, Jay's, and Glenn out there saying anything? Why isn't Ruslan saying anything about this? You know? Well, like, they know. Okay, do you know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of being gaslit. Okay, because like, <laughs> because, <laughs> all right, all right. I know that's a feminist term. I just think it's funny. But, <laughs> but by the conservative Christians, because what'll happen is I, I don't know how to like explain it. And I, I've never, I, I've noticed it from like 16 when they brought in all these like chastity speakers. That was the first time where I couldn't figure out like something doesn't add up, like something's off, but I could never describe what it was. Do you know what I mean? And then I tried a Christian church for a couple of years. I'm like, damn it, this is worse. This is worse. And, and so, but when you say like there's feminine men in the church and you start to talk about issues within the church, they, they'll say, well, your faith is weak then. Or they'll say, oh, you're not like the right kind of Christian or the right kind of Catholic, or you don't have like the right worldview. When you're like, okay, something's off here. I don't know what it is, or I don't know how to describe it. But then they'll just like be like, oh, well, she only goes to church once a month. That's just like, our, I was honest about that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, They'll like weaponize your faith against you if you have any criticisms of the church. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. But this is kind of part and parcel, too, of this funding that we're talking about. So here's another big example. If you guys want to know the scope of the problem of how this infiltration happened, there's a, a foundation called the Arcus Foundation. It belongs to the guy who started the Stryker Corporation in the hospitals. You know, how the hospital beds all have Stryker on them. This is a company that makes these hospital beds. And the founder is himself a Skittles person, a very uh, feminist guy, believes in feminism. And he started the Arcus Foundation 
And in 2017, they started something called the Global Religions Program. And this was to promote feminism and, and LGBT stuff in the Abrahamic religions. And they donated $120,000 in 2015 alone to target the traditional Christian churches. That's the Roman Catholics, the Orthodox, and the Protestants. Anybody who was still holding the line against feminism and then, of course, Skittle stuff, 120,000 in one year just from this one foundation. There are dozens of foundations that do this. We have millions, tens of millions of dollars being poured into trying to get priests and pastors into the churches who will promote this stuff, trying to get them into the bishopric, trying to get them into the World Council of Churches, which is another organization that influences churches for the the feminist agenda. So there's huge money behind this. There was also uh, $15 million from Arcus in 2015, which was an unprecedented number to uh, push uh, transformer stuff into churches and to promote this. And to it's partially to get scholars, these university scholars, to reinterpret the Bible, reinterpret Roman Catholic doctrine, reinterpret Orthodox teaching, and twist it to fit this narrative, right? So that these groups that want to push feminism or push, you know, Skittle stuff, they can say, well, actually, like the gentlemen were saying, Ephesians 5 actually means mutual submission. It means that both husband and wife submit to each other at the same time. So this is where all this twisting kind of comes from. It's a little bit more of a top-down thing where they put millions of dollars in and get certain people to teach this in seminary and university and at conferences and things like that. So we're talking about tens of millions of dollars just from one foundation in one year. I mean, it's a mind-blowing amount of money. The chastity speakers push mutual submission hard especially in the catholic church and it's really what it is they're taking it there's you're supposed to submit to the roles that god gave you that's what that submission is husbands submit to your role be the man wives submit to your role be the woman don't don't disrespect each other and try to do each other's job because god right. gave you this order for a re- that's what that means not oh equally submit to one another no Submit That's an to oxymoron. It's it's silly to Stupid. like imagine also, if you had two kings of a country and that both kings are trying to mutually uh, submit uh, to each uh, other. Uh, work. No, 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 you, your highness. No, 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 you, your highness. You're right. Also, like Paul says, every wife at least once a week, I do prefer on Wednesdays, needs a good spanking. So just <laughs> give her a good spanking on a Wednesday morning. Everything will run smooth. It's in Paul's epistle. I'm just joking. Uh, I did want to point out, too, that what uh, Rachel was saying about the um, entities that fund these things. So Tavistock, uh, by the way, played a key role in the study or what you were talking about, Tim, with pushing women into sports. Uh, what happens is a lot of times the UN or one of these entities, they'll say, hey, Tavistock, you're a research think tank. Give us uh, information and research that will help us to implement this. So Tavistock will go and do a, a bunch of research, kind of like the Rand Corporation does, right? And then they'll say, here's your best strategy to get more women into sports, pushing it in the elementary school, pushing new programs, you know, for college, you know, sports for women, all this stuff. And that's all intended for a long-term goal of basically re- collapsing society, putting it into well, a future technocracy. Well, and sports, um, it was actually... This was a hard red pill for me to swallow because I I literally loved like I love volleyball. I love basketball. It's so fun. But it's true that it kind of makes you into a boy because it's like every day after school, I would train for four hours. 
when are you going to have time to be home when you're training four hours yeah. a day? Right. And then it's the basic teleology. It's really, really basic. Testosterone makes a human being more male-like. And, yeah. and the, yeah. the test is in well, the goal of the body. When women get lots of testosterone, for all you probably know this, there's something called the female athlete triad. Some studies show it's up to 40% of even JV level high school girl athletes wind up with the female athlete triad. They become infertile when they get the triad from, from too much testosterone. When a male gets more testosterone, does he become infertile? No, he becomes super fertile. This is because, again, that's what I want to say to the, to the red pill guys. God speaks to us through our bodies. A male should be super testosterone filled. In your 40s, this is how you stay healthy. Even protection from cancer is men getting testosterone. When women get it, it makes them unable to procreate. Good, Really good female athletes stop being fertile. It's the perfect yeah. proof. No, and, Testosterone and helps men with depression, right? It gives them their drive. Like this, this push against testosterone. I'm on testosterone. I have no problem. I take a bunch of gear and I, I meet me and Zerka just talked about our, our cycles the other day. You know, and it's like, I have no problem admitting that because it gives me what I need to get through my day. You know, it gives me that drive, that hunger, you know, it, it, it's, I don't get aggressive. You know, I, it doesn't make me more. Oh, I hate the world. No, it's just like, it gives you that ump. I'm not depressed. I don't have to deal with depression. When guys have low testosterone, you're more susceptible to depression, anxiety, your antisocial disorders. There's a lot of things that when you're hormonally imbalanced, it affects men. It makes men more feminine. If we notice that, you know, our testosterone levels have dropped dramatically over time, you know, for men these days. And we wonder yeah, why it, men are the way they weird? are. They pushed gaming really hard at boys to get them sedentary. And living out there, you know, because you can have this fake sense of accomplishment by leveling up in a game and things like that, which really preys on men's like natural desire to climb the hierarchy. And then we push girls into women's sports. And at Pearl's an athlete. I've been a bodybuilder, powerlifter for 16 years. So I know a bit about it as well. And we push women into sports. Um, and it kind of not only emasculates them, but it teaches them to be highly competitive. And I'm not even saying sports or athletic endeavors for women are bad, but pushing them to that level, like where Pearl was at, where it's her whole life, where she's, you know, practicing four five, six hours a day. She's doing tournaments. She's traveling. She told me a little bit like once on, we talked about the sunstream and she was like, yeah, when I was done with this, I was kind of like, okay, what am I supposed to do now? Cause I've spent all these years invested in this. Right. So it's just kind of funny how they pushed sports on girls super hard, but then boys football is dangerous. Now you can't play football cause you'll get a concussion and you know, uh, boys sports are too aggressive. You should just sit inside and eat chicken tendies and play video games. Well, Isn't it I funny how the APA, when they listed what is toxic masculinity, or all these toxic traits, but then when they tell you what a powerful woman is, or all the toxic traits that they said men can't be doing, like, oh, be promiscuous, you know, be 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 uh, competitive, you know, be adventurous. Oh, if you're a guy and you do those things, you're toxic. As long as you have a vagina, you're not toxic if you do those things. Well, it, and it's, even, it's crazy. And even in, like, women's sports, like, I, I think, I wonder if the high testosterone makes, like, women gay, because on the basketball team, yo, there was, there was no. some lesbians. Let me tell you, volleyball for whatever reason doesn't really. Have, you might have some bi chicks, but not lesbians like that. 
but basketball yeah there was two girls on the team they broke up there was some drama you know what i mean like <laughs> and the other thing is it totally like i had this red pill moment where i was like oh my gosh i've had feminists training me the last like 10 years or 15 years because it's all it's like um a pipeline of just like being single forever if you take volleyball to the extreme because it's like you go to college and then after college you go overseas to play and it's usually by older women that are training you and they're usually older they're usually childless and i i think they have good intentions you know like there's a lot of people that are super passionate about it but i was like still the outcome is a lot of like a lot like if you really take it to the extreme level a lot of these women are like dying alone like they're not getting married and having families remember the the christian girl or two that pat that was straight that passed through the wnba yeah i can't remember her name either there was one or two but she said it was 98 percent of the league was lesbian and they bullied her for being a straight christian by the way the wnba has now been in business for 27 years and they haven't made a, a positive penny once. They are, uh, yeah. um, they are a leech on the NBA. They are a write-off for the NBA. They are yeah. a write-off for the. It's, it's a way the NBA gets away with taxes. <laughs> Let's just face it. Well, well I like to. And even ahead, like, Jay. like they'll um they'll push it too. Like I remember my coaches was basically like telling. I I literally remember them. There was a girl that was like super Christian on the team and she didn't drink and they were saying like she needs to go out with the team and drink because like otherwise like you're not participating in like team bonding basically like they want the team to be your family instead of like an actual family but sorry go ahead jay no yeah i mean the another institution that's really important in this and we can talk about like ngos and stuff but like the 60s counterculture revolution was really key for all of what we're talking about today, because even though that was supposedly uh, the oppression of the man and, and this kind of stuff, right? I mean, even the idea like oh, we're fighting the man, the oppression of the man, right? That's the patriarchy, right? And a big push behind a big pusher of that was actually the CIA. People think of the CIA as like, oh, it's this Cold War, like conservative, you know, uh, James Bond is fighting together with the CIA against the communists. But the reality is that the CIA was not a conservative institution. It's actually a very liberal institution. In the 1960s, they were directly tied into um, radical feminism. Gloria Steinem, for example, worked for a CIA front. She was a big she was open about this. She's like, yeah, I work for the, the CIA. It's a front. We push liberal values in the sense of, quote, liberalism, like not liberal economics, but like total liberal culture values against supposedly the Soviets because they were trying to portray Stalinism and Khrushchev as this uh, authoritarian institution. And so then they fund like crazy li liberal artists, Jackson Pollock, Andy Warhol. So the destruction of the arts with like crazy abstract, ugly art and toilets with, you know, like Jesus in a toilet, piss Christ, all that kind of stuff comes out of the CIA's control of culture. And they also were pushing the, the feminist stuff at the same time through Gloria Steinem and Playboy magazine. CIA gave money to Hugh Hefner, for example. Yeah, they also started Ms. Magazine. Clay Felker is the one who gave yep. Gloria Steinem the money and started Ms. Magazine. That was a CIA publication. And they they also, uh, Jay talks a lot about the Congress for Cult Cultural Freedom. Um, there's a book by Frances Stoner Saunders. Jay just shared on Twitter a, a long little clip of her talking about this. It's so fantastic. 
about how the CIA really took feminism and pushed it to the forefront. It Again, yep. it was not popular. Everybody believes that feminism was a natural, organic groundswell of women who just couldn't stand their oppression any longer and hated their lives and they were so miserable. And so they had to have feminism. They had to fight for it. Totally untrue. It was pushed. Uh, by the CIA into the culture. That's why in the 70s, you see all these movies and all these uh, musicians and albums and stuff pushing feminist ideas like the Stepford Wives and uh, Divorce American Style where a couple, there was a whole slew of movies that came out, a whole bunch of artists, uh, you know, rock singers, pop singers who came out pushing feminist stuff. And the CIA was behind that. And they chose just like they choose uh, professors and put them in universities. They did the same thing where they picked certain actors, uh, directors, bands, people in the pop culture and pushed them to the forefront to push this feminist message into the culture. And that's how it became so dominant. There's a great dialogue, famous dialogue between Betty Friedan famous at this point, she was a young feminist and Simone de Beauvoir, who was a very old French feminist. And de Beauvoir told Friedan, she was like, yo, you, you Americans have funny ideas about how to get women out of the home. You guys are obsessed with Liberty. This has to be a top down thing in France. We do it with legislation because women are so naturally inclined because they're built for being in the home. You, we in France believe you'll never get them out of the home just by shaming them the way you American feminists want to do. You have to force them out with psyops and with legislation that makes it illegal, basically impossible for them to stay there. It's, yeah, it's, I end I end my book with that quote from her. She said, uh, "If you give women the choice to stay home and raise their children and be homemakers." You, they will always choose that. That's why, precisely why there cannot be such a choice. And I believe her, like I end my book by saying, I believe her. So if we just give women the choice, if we explain that this is all completely inorganic, pushed on you, you've been programmed, you've been brainwashed, it's perfectly okay for you to wanna be a wife, to be a mother, to be submissive and a helpmeet to your husband. Those things are good things. Those are valid choices. It's cool. You should do it. If we push that message, more and more women will just breathe a sigh of relief and go, oh, thank goodness. Because being a boss bitch and trying to do run your hoe game, you know, and like push your only fans, that stuff is destroying women. It's harmful to them. They don't actually love it. It's just that all of society is screaming at us that this is what we have to do to be successful as women. Simply give them the choice and most of them are not gonna choose OnlyFans. They're gonna wanna have babies. They're gonna wanna get married and bake and share recipes and you know make homes. That's, that's how women are, so yeah. But see, see, I don't even blame women for all this. I blame men. It goes back to men. And, 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 I, and I'll say that in this sense, like men are to lead. When we defer leadership to women to appease them, right, then you get what we have here. That's why you got all these guys that are supporting these girls only fans because they're not masculine enough. They're afraid to tell these women, hey, you're not living right. I don't want you. You're not valuable to me when you're ran through. Adam 22's wife is not a valuable woman. Okay. Like her life is valuable. Right. Everybody's alive. It has value in God's eyes, but she is not a quality woman to to marry. Right. But Adam 22. No, 
I'm going to get a whole bunch of vagina because if I say, hey, yeah, I share my wife because I'm I'm that kind of man. I'm ma I'm masculine enough to share my wife. You are only preaching the narrative to benefit you. And you're spilling that lie. And that's what the church is doing by not preaching women's nature, not calling, you know, hey, women, you have you have bad nature, too. We're all sinful. We all fall short of the glory of God. The Bible didn't say only men fall short of the glory of God and women are like angels. No, we all fall short. So if we all fall short, then we should talk about that shortcoming together okay women's shortcoming men's shortcoming but we don't do that the church doesn't want to do that it doesn't benefit them why because the blue pill if you want to go red pill talk the blue pill men the beta men see it as a benefit if we don't talk about it no 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 if you just become a better servant leader your wife will be submissive to you no 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 if you're just a good husband and you because I, I remember literally sitting there in these pastoral, you know, I'm doing like, you know, counseling as a youth pastor, as a second pastor with my pastor there. And he's telling the guy like, look, if you're just a better sermon leader, you know, if your wife, you're having problems with porn, well, it's not because your wife's not putting out to you. No, no, no. We're not going to talk about why she does not having sex with you. We're going to talk about your sin and your sin is your pornography. We're not going to talk about the fact that in, you know, first Corinthians seven, it talks about, do not, you know, separate from each other for a long period of time. It says, if you do so, do so for a time of prayer and fasting so that you can be joined together. So the thing doesn't tempt you. We're not going to talk about what she's doing. We're going to talk about the fact that you have a porn problem. Where did that porn problem come from? Well, maybe it came from the fact that his wife wasn't putting out, you know, maybe that opened the door. But we don't do that anymore. And we are afraid to do that. And, and, and until the churches decide to do that, we're going to see the continuation of this rhetoric. And we're going to see the continuation of this whole narrative and this ostracization of men from the church. And you wonder why men leave the church. Well, because the church, again, as Pastor Joel Webb said in that video, it's not made for men. So it's the simps, it's the simps and the cucks. Joining yes. forces with the feminists and then yep. booting all of the alpha males out. I have, I have a question. So I have one last question I'm going to end on. How do you spot a fake trad con or a fake pastor slash priest? I would, uh, well, there's, 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 a, there's a list. I think there's a list. All right. Ask them if women are allowed to preach in the church. Right. If they say, yes, of course, God uses all things. God uses, you know, there's a, there's one Two, ask them what submission means. All right. And it, those two are my two big tells. If they tell me that men are supposed to submit to their wives, right. And it, women could lead the church. That to me, that's heresy. Just be like, what were you on grinder? Was that your profile? on Grindr? <laughs> And then notice if they start sweating and getting nervous, then you then you know get out of that church. <laughs> yeah, submission submission is the big issue. There are a lot of over the last two years. Uh, there's a lot of positive momentum in the counter feminist Catholic territory, but there's a lot of fugazi counter feminists. Like I, I'm not, I'm sure there's good things in the book, but this domestic extremist book by peachy keenan there's another one coming out later in the summer by another catholic that claimed to be anti-feminist because like i feel like 
my wife and I in the Catholic world took a lot of the shrapnel the last three years. We really got went after hard, but the Overton window came a little hard. But what the, so they're they're admitting now more feminism's bad. Women should be at home. They're still not admitting wifely submission is the main mark of an anti-feminist. That is to say, of a Christian. So so ask. About that, I, I was hoping we were going to talk about the red pill a little bit today, Pearl. But maybe, maybe that's for another time. We we should talk about the red pill and its relationship to Christianity at some point. Rachel, oh, talk I, about I my, love that conversation, my, Tim. Me and you could do that anytime because I love that topic. It. Let's got, do it. I got Rachel, a little more time if you want. If you want to talk about it, yeah, let's roll with. There's this. a lot. There's a lot there. Like Rachel was talking about my friend Will Nolan, who I I have a. Um, me, him, Elliot Holes, Dr. Michael Robillard. We do a, a Friday podcast called C-Mask, uh, Christian Masculinism. And there's a lot of really important cross-fertilization that needs to happen with the Red Pill guys. They need to read um, some of the books by women like Rachel or my wife. And they need to they need to watch Christian Masculinism podcasts or they need to watch this show. And I think a lot of them will because there's, there's some important stuff that needs to be said but between us and them like what Whew. well it's a it's a whole show but i mean like basically that they can be right about everything cobra tate can be right about everything he's saying about what's what's wrong with women but there's a fundamental cognitive dissonance between saying look a high value woman is a woman that that guards her virginity that looks at pearl's pyramid of of high value women, which you did yesterday, which is hilarious. That's awesome. You can say that, but the cognitive dissonance where you say we should, we should run through hoes now. And it's, it's basically natural for a man to do, but at the same time, it's good to value high value women is obviously like caveman retarded. You can't, you can't maintain those two propositions at once. You can't maintain the proposition of contraception and fornication and still decry feminism, contraception and fornication on a wide scale. Everything Jay's talking about, Tavistock, CIA, water falling this down. That was their whole goal. These are the conditions for the possibility of feminism is contraception and fornication. Mm -hmm. um, when you talk about like uh, celibacy, chastity, these things, fasting, there's a lot of common ground between celibacy chastity and and fasting from food every young person you deal with pearl when you go on whatever and and all those shows they want to look good they lift they they might have even embraced uh periodic fasting because it helps them look good but i would just ask them look at the important overlap between the metabolic system your our eating system our gastro system and the reproductive system both of them have pleasure endorphin release but pleasure is not the goal. The goal of the metabolism is to take in calories in an efficient way. Just like the goal of the human reproductive system is to reproduce, right? And, and the fact that pleasure is what usually motivates you or I to go get a meal. It's what motivates most husbands and wives to have sex. They wind up with more and more kids. I have seven. Um, I know that doesn't prove that that's the goal of the system. And some fatty, some fat ass that that eats for pleasure exclusively has confused those goals. And most red pill guys make fun of soft, fat, cream puff guys that sit on the couch and eat and have mistaken pleasure as the purpose of metabolism. But they won't apply that to the reproductive system. And that's because they're into the 
they bought the feminist principles of contraception and fornication, which which absolutely denude the philosophy and make high value women into hoes. It's it's an important, important conversation. I think you're the one to have it. I think, I think so like, a, a woman like Rachel's amazing. I think my wife it, it, it should should talk to you about this. And and then the dudes need to talk about it too. Well, to- when I talk about guys cheating, I don't think it's all right. Or like having multiple women. I just think women may, date guys like Chris Brown and are like, why wasn't he faithful? I'm like, well, I don't know how you didn't see this one coming, Diane. You know what I mean? It's like, like. That is true. I women, don't know, like. Women will chase after the men that they know every other woman on earth is chasing after who's getting panties thrown at him. And then suddenly expect that if he marries that, like, they'll be the side girl marry the dude and then be like i can't believe he cheated on me that is true and i I say to like say to women all the time you all think you want like this top half a percent guy you don't you don't want that if you want attention if you want exclusivity if you want all these things a good christian masculine man will make you very happy but don't try to pick like an andrew tate obviously if you want like if that's what you want like, well, I think I like got, okay, so we have no to understand sympathy. like I got no red sympathy. Pill. These girls will like come on my show and they'll they'll tell me they're dating the same YouTuber, entertainer, like like guys that are not known for their faithfulness. And I just got zero sympathy where it's like, okay, if you go and make a make a baby with him, st- you might as well stay at that point. Like, what did you think was gonna happen? He wasn't faithful to you before he's not going to now i'm kind of like you made your bed you might as well stick it out you know my thing is like the red pill um is a source of information what you do with that information is primarily up to you all right everything else like the red pill tells you what is here is male's nature here's female's nature this is just what is right biologically right and christianity catholicism Tradcon ways, you know, this way, this group, this blue pill, those are all prescriptions on how to address the problems of the intersexual dynamics between men and women. Everything else is a prescription. So Andrew Tate telling you guys, you know, to get with a bunch of women or Myron saying you need to have 50 bodies before you get married with a woman. Those are prescriptions. Those are not red pill. Those are prescriptions from people to hold these red pill beliefs or views they think that's going to be the best practice that they think those are prescriptions. We have to, we have to understand that the red pill in itself, the core of the red pills itself is not a prescription. It's a praxeology. It's a study of intersexual dynamics and human nature. Now, what you do with that information, like, okay, women are hypergamous guys like to be competitive. Okay. So guys take hypergamy for instance, and be like, Oh, well we're all ruined. All these hoes are hypergamous. None of them can be loyal or faithful. And it's just like, no, how about, you know, you take that understanding and then be her best hypergamous choice every day. Be leveling up yourself and become that better man if you want this woman in your life. Why don't you do the work to be that best option she always sees? That's how I take hypergamy. It's like, choose what you want to take the information, but then come up with your own prescription for your own life. And that's where... 
you know, you get the Jordan Peterson, here's your 12 steps of life. You got Andrew Tate saying that if you do it this way, your life will be better. You got guys like Doug Wilson saying you do it this way. You got Joel Webbins saying you do it this way. These are all prescriptions that, that stem well, from understanding the red pill. Have you, have you seen my note? There's no such thing as a good woman video. Have you seen it? I have. Have you seen it, Tim? I haven't seen that one, no. Okay, so I, I lay out this chart here. Okay, wait, can you guys see it? Basically, the 50 bodies. Now, this isn't a moral thing. Now, and I'd like to say I do not promote this, but I understand how they got there. We all know that hoe that has pulled one over on a naive guy. All right, maybe I just do, but I, we've all seen that girl. You're like, what the, like, how did, you know what I mean? And the 50 bodies is just to get, for guys to get enough experience so they know the difference between a hoe and not a hoe. And typically women want men that are more sexually experienced. And so it's like, to me, that's more of just a reaction to what the women are doing it's like because women have all the power first right and we pick non-monogamy first because we have the more option to do it and then we do it so it's like how are the guys supposed to know the difference between these predatory women and the good girls some guys feel like the only way to do that is to get a bunch of experience with women that might not be your conclusion but i kind of understand how they got there I agree with everything you've said, like all show long. And I, I almost always, I, I think I 99% agree with you on Twitter, but part of the psyop seems to be this hypergamy point about women. Like I, I just began because of a raging need, uh, a, a matchmaking site with my friends, not, not Catholic dating, but matchmaking. Right. And we got, we were trying to match 15 like trad chads with 15 high quality virgins. We got so many applications from women. We got a lot from men that we had to like blow up our numbers. It's called uh, return, R-E-T-V-R-N dot U-S. And it's been amazing. There are so many amazing- I have a question. Uh, beautiful virgins out there who are 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. How do you know they're virgins? You can tell when you talk to them. These are these are bookish people. They go to the the TLM that are. If you were interviewing them, you would understand what what we're talking about. A lot of these people are, though they're beautiful, they were they were raised on either like farms. The sound sounds kind of funny to to people out there that live in the city, but they were either raised on farms or doing the co op thing. Um, you, you could tell, and they but, were homeschooled. But, they were. This is the point. But, Don't but go to college know for sure, right? Yes, you can never no, know for sure. No, for sure. Okay. Unless you, yeah. Okay. But so, and I think that's their response. Now, I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. I'm just saying I kind of understand how they got there. Because of at course. the end of the day, they could they could say that, but we 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 won't actually know. Yeah, but you could tell when you talk to a hoe, you just said that. And and I can tell. And I was, you know, I, I reverted to the church in my late 20s. I was lucky enough to have met my wife when we were, you know, she was still in her teens and we were we were friends through the entire time. You could you could tell. And and similarly, you can tell you when some when a girl was homeschooled, when she either went to a, a very faithful small college or not, when she's knows the faith well, she sits around and reads. You 
you could get a good sense of it. And right, let me just say, it's been you, shocking. Right. But like, wouldn't you know more if you have more experience with women? Wouldn't you In be able to tell sense? more? Like, wouldn't you have a better indication if you have experience? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, and that's, I, and that's how they get that conclusion. Not saying that's yeah. correct. Like that's the right way to do it. I, I certainly don't advocate for that, but I can kind of like, I, I think it's more of a response to the women because we don't pick monogamy. Let's see. Experience doesn't mean sex. And I think right. that's what, that's what gets lost in, right. in all this is that, Oh, you need to have a bunch of experience with women. That doesn't mean you need to sleep with all of them. You, you could just being around women seeing women's nature, you know, understanding women in that sense and understanding how they show desire and genuine desire to you, you know, through experience with them in, 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 in proximity doesn't mean you have to have sex with them. And, and that's, that's where I push, like, this is where I push back with Myron. Like, dude, like I get it. I get what you're trying to say, but what you're telling guys is go out there, bang these girls, add notch counts to all these girls and then bring them on your show and tell them why they're not going to get married because you added a notch count to them. It doesn't exactly. make sense to me. You know exactly. what I'm saying? So you could gain think, experience without sex. So I'm saying 95% of those do guys. Think, do you think it's equally effective? Do you think going, being around women is equally as effective to understanding female nature as sleeping with and dating a bunch of women? I think if you do, do it correctly, you, like who do you I think if you, you think, do it correctly? Who do you think knows more? A guy that's a virgin and sleeps with nobody or a guy that's a player and sleeps with 50 women? All the guy that's a player knows how to do is get you in bed. Which usually involves alcohol. Well, exactly. Some because it's a, it's a, to no some talk. sort of distraction, some sort of distraction, all right, uh, some so, form of manipulation in a game, in game aspect that gets okay, you there so, in the first place. So do you, does he does he really know, know women or does he know how to get women who naked? Who knows more? I need you to answer the who knows more. 50 women or zero women? It depends well, on how the conversation goes. I know how to spot a fake trad Catholic, right? If someone's like, yo, Tim, I, I'm a trad traditional Roman Catholic. I'm like, okay, what's your daily devotional? And we we had, by the way, Pearl, we had some some uh, feminists apply and we weeded them out really fast this is about conversation if someone claims to be a pro mma fire fighter or a pro race car driver and you're like okay what kind of wheels do you use and they don't know you you weed them out someone that's like do you, do you know what the uh, novena is do you know what the angelus is okay you're, you're not a trad you can so these there are other checks it's not you're not really checking anything when you're some drunk dude that's running through chubby whores at nightclubs you're not even talking so I think it, it other, is. Yeah. The other thing I think about as a mom of a son myself is that uh, it's very risky advice to tell a young man to just go sleep with a bunch of girls. The odds that Especially he's going to these days, he'll get falsely accused of something. A girl will say she's pregnant and it belongs to him. And I'm doing a piece on paternity fraud right now. And the amount of paternity fraud out there is staggering uh the amount of false accusations the likelihood he could catch an std from a girl who lied about you know yeah, one out of three. Not it's mad out there it's it's bad so like i would say just from a risk perspective telling men to run through 50 women yeah. before they settle down is extremely I'm not, risky i'm not i'm not saying it's the best point of view but i'm just saying i kind of i understand how they got there because you know, I, 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 get I, do. I do think there's a lot of naive guys in the church 
that do oh yeah but my thing life. is like yo get experience mm-hmm. but experience doesn't mean getting in bed with them the way i look is like guys look your seed that's your legacy do you want to water down your legacy with some dumb hoe from the club like you know be careful who you put your seed in you know what i'm saying like you got to live with that baby with, the, with no head no brain no you know all retarded looking just because her mom was hot you don't want that so be selective. I think guys need to be more selective of who they put their dick in than women need to be selective of who they open their dick, their legs for. You know, seriously. Sounding very trans for a second thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I want some retarded it. babies. That's all I'm talking about. I know. <laughs> I like that idea of like the babies being retarded. I'm down for that. <sighs> I'm just trolling, dude. I'm just joking. <laughs> bro, bro like, why do you think? Why do you think that? that funny. Why do you think that that guys? Because I, I I do I talk to these guys every day. I counsel them every day. It's a huge part of what we do. Guys go to the club. They get with 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 chubby pleather laden whores, and then the guys start getting attached because they're betas. But these are guys with huge huge belt notches. They're not Andrew Tate. They're the betas, and in many cases, the gammas that consume Andrew Tate's content. And they're like, bro, I'm going to, I just got paid. And you're like, what's your paycheck? They're like, $250. And they spend it all on one night, and they, they get with some, you know, 2.5, some drunk 2.5. And then they wind up, and she's chubby usually in pleather, and they wind up chasing her around. And they do that until the girl, low low quality woman, ends up giving them the shove off. And then they do it again three or four weeks later after bothering this chick. Those are the guys with the high body counts. They're not Andrew Tate. He's anomalous. Okay. He's got, you know, millions upon millions in the bank. It, it's a game changer. He, he says it, he's Cobra Tate. And he's different from the guys that listen to him. The real guys in real life that have high body counts like that are pathetic shells of men in most cases. And it's really sad and they are get it's it's a product of them gaming and being counter gamed by female, but it's it's a psyop. Well, it's just like you know, it's like the man that props the world gains the whole world loses soul, right? You're chasing the pussy. Once you chase the pussy and you put that pussy on a pedestal like that, you're you're gonna do whatever you can to get to it. You're gonna sell your soul for it, and that's the problem with a lot of men is that they don't. They would rather they will give up the world for seven minutes in heaven. Okay, you know, like, and it's like, why? Why don't you see your value more than that? And it's like guys that are of value would know that I'm not going to get with the girl that's not of value. You know, like, does that make sense? Like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you want to water down your legacy? Why would you want to taint your 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 heritage and and i'm not trying to sound like you know fuentes here i mean you know but but i mean by that it's like why put yourself in a risk and have a legacy with somebody that's not a value because half the dudes that that bang these chicks they would never walk out with them in public at night or broad daylight all right it's 3 a.m this heifer will do (sighs) here we go and he's not going to talk about it so think about it does their notch counts really count if you won't brag about the girl in public? Like, you know? Yeah. And so. I think average guys are going to get like, they're, 
the game stuff works for those like really attractive, like higher level guys. Um, and for them, uh, stacking up 50 bodies might not be as big of a deal. Like uh, just, we're not talking from a moral perspective, like Pearl said, we're not saying this is moral. We're just describing how reality is. Right. So for those top guys, that might be beneficial because they're working with a different caliber of girls. Whereas the average guy is getting average or below chicks. If he's stacking up 50 girls. And I, from my experience being a very average girl myself, I would say most of us are not like vastly different. There's like, there's this cunning conniving trickster ones, but I don't think that sleeping with a bunch of them will necessarily help to spot that. I've been to a pickup, like a pickup artist conference, you know, it's the stuff they teach them is pretty basic. It's nothing like crazy. It's yeah. like maintained, like, it's not like, tri- you know what I mean? When I was listening, social sk- it's like basic social skills. Yeah. Yeah. It's how to talk to people in public. I saw, I saw a dude take home. One of the instructors <laughs> took home like, oh my God, I think three girls, four girls in three days. It was crazy. I was like, you know, like, I don't think they ever highlight is that game real game is not getting a girl to sleep with you that's easy okay you could either pay them to do it or you could get them to do it they could want to do it one of the two or they may want to do it because you're going to pay them to do it all right but can you maintain that girl for the rest of your life that's real game real game is maintaining a relationship a healthy relationship where she has genuine desire for you for the rest of her life that is real game I don't care how many notch counts you get. If you can't maintain any of them in your frame and want them wanting to be submissive to you, then you have no game, sir. <laughs> okay. You, you only got to level one and everybody beats level one, but can you get to level 12 and maintain that relationship for 20, 40 years down the road? Rolo's having a, a what, 27th anniversary this next week. That's level game. Thor just had a 35 year anniversary. That's level game. Your parents, Pearl, have been together since like the dawn of time. That's level game. Can men actually have that? Nobody's wanting to talk about that aspect of game when it comes to men. They all want to talk about how can you get 50 bodies? That's easy. I've heard guys in the red pill talk about like maintaining frame in a relationship. You don't think that helps towards long-term? Oh yeah, definitely. It helps towards long-term, but it's, it's getting past the 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 preliminary game, which is getting laid. Okay, once once you get laid, what do you do from there? You know, like, are you willing to invest? Oh, in a woman, and that's really what I like. Okay, we're talking about high value men, high value women. I think there's quality women and high value men. And uh, what makes a quality woman is when a high value guy wants to invest in her wants to marry her and says, you know what? I'm wanting to invest in this woman as my wife and I'm going to invest in in financially providing, being that provider, that protector, that priest of my home for this woman. That's that's what makes her a quality woman. When a guy sees that value in her and wants to invest in that, that's what makes a quality woman. Yeah, and like people, all you need to do that that went away, they took home ec out of high school. They had to put it back in college, a feminist version is tell kids don't go to fucking college it doesn't matter if you're smart right like i have degrees out the wazoo i wish i didn't have them don't go to college get a trade you can make 90k by the time you're 19 being like a plumber or electrician read lots of books on the side be smart that's great if you're smart but marry your high school sweetheart 
because you both are you both are high value still. Don't get banged up in college. And you're going to wind up crying later. These high body count guys, they don't look like Andrew Tate. They don't spend like him. They wind up crying a lot like Mikey in Swingers. It's pathetic. Get Marry young, get a job, start a family, have a wife who submits to you, be great to your, to your wife. This is the only way out. By the time someone's 30, 35, 40, it's too late. Everyone's literally and figuratively banged up. Don't go to college, marry young, have lots of kids. It's a great See, The only pushback I have for you, Timothy, on that is that, you know, society does not promote that. So I can't tell guys to go in and get married when I know society is against them. Does that make sense? And, it's like, I, I, I wish I could say marriage is the way, but it's not in the way that we do it today because the way we do it today is not biblical. Well, and the systems are so against me. Like I just, this divorce documentary I've been doing, I've heard so many horror stories. It's so crazy. It, it's like uh, guys that did the right thing. Like they did exactly what you're saying. And the woman just one day got in the wrong feminist group chat and decided I'm going to ruin his life. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a great answer for that because people ask me that. And I, I do agree with Pearl that when you look at the system, you know, how we've replaced fathers with the state, how the courts work and just all that stuff. Do you guys, as the brilliant men that the three of you are, have any idea of how we start to turn the tide back as far as the actual legal system and the state being involved Repeal in marriage. the 19th. Sorry. I had to add that it. would be a great starting point, but <laughs> well, I don't like know my... how realistic that is, but what do we do about the fact that everything is so skewed against rent men and men are taking all the risk, even in a, like Pearl said, and I hate to say this, but even in a traditional Christian marriage where you're both in the church and you're trad Catholics or you're traditional Protestants, you're a traditional Orthodox and you get married and the woman, you know, for whatever reason, 10 years in goes, I'm really not happy. And Mr. Johnson next door makes me feel sexy. So I'm just abandoning all of it. Like, is there any way to mitigate the risk for men and keep families together? To be honest with you, men don't care enough. That, that, that's just, let's be honest. Uh, we've had the laws for alimony and you know no fault divorce for how long as we have now and nobody has made legislation to make it change all right nobody's men are not rallying and protesting wearing penis hats going down you know dc and saying hey we need to you know uh, uh, change these alimony laws and, and custody laws men are not doing that and since men are not doing that they were like oh you know what it's whatever it's not going to happen to me you know you have the church saying not all women are like that. You're not going to go through this divorce court. Don't worry. If you're a good servant leader, you're not going to, you know, that's God's going to protect you. But that's not reality. Okay. The reality is men don't care enough to fight for it. And until they want to fight for it, you're not going to see a change. And here's the other thing. I push I back on women is... and I go, I go, women, you want equality, right? You want women want feminists want equality then why aren't they petitioning for the change in the laws for the inequality they benefit from? Like in family court, like in, you know, the legal system. Why aren't they saying, hey, we want to pay child support too, 50%, yeah. you know? because We want to sign up for the draft. <laughs> because it's not equality that they want. It's all about power. It's yes. all about power. Yes, and I've, I've, been, oh, I've been waiting for men to put, because I keep saying, 
men do have the power. And what I hear from men is, no, we don't, you want, you don't understand the laws are against us. The courts are against us. And I'm like, yeah, but you men are the only people who can solve this. Like Pearl and I can bring attention to it. We can talk about it and we can push back in a way that men can't because we are women. Not that we don't get every woman on Twitter coming for our throats all the time. We do, but we just don't care. What are they going to do? Call my call my husband and complain. I guess, um, <laughs> which selfies. is why I'm out. Tweet yeah, that's why selfies. I'm, that's why I'm out here doing it. But ultimately, we do at some point need the Tim Gordons and the Glenn Lawrences and the Jay Dyers and the Andrew Wilsons of the world to kind of stand up and put their foot down and be like, we've had enough of this feminism. It's been a hundred years of it. Look at all the horrors. Look at all the terrors of it. Look at, at the state of our children and our society. This social experiment has gone on long enough and it's time to end it and we're going to end it. I, I feel like at some point the men will have to do that. I don't know how realistic that is. They're, they're betas, they're cucks. That's, that well, is the problem. The thing. It's all I, I would power. never, I would never ever for the record say that the lawfare is not gynocentric or against men. It absolutely is. But to, to respond to your question just briefly, Rachel, um, as between you and your your lovely marriage, me and Steph, it's like the, the man has to maintain that as the leader. That's Same true. thing. It's like it's like saying, how do you have teenagers that don't run wild? It takes a lot of care, it takes some ground rules, but it takes a lot of care on the back end, it takes gentleness and firmness. You, you, you keep a relationship together, even as Rome crumbles around you. You know what I mean? In my case, literally and figuratively, it's like let, let justice be done, though the heavens fall. It's you just you you maintain your own little Benedict option, your own little piece of the garden. And every day. Yeah, I'm I'm my wife submits to me, but she's also my best friend. And we do stuff together every day, just like you and your husband. That's how you maintain. So when I have these conversations on our Friday Seamask show, it's three of us are basically patriarchs. And then we have Dr. Michael Robillard, who's not yet married. And he's always talking about the lawfare. He's very sympathetic to the MGTOW guys. He, in his past life, uh, you know, openly admits he went to some of the pickup camps. And he's like, it's all bullshit. But he he is like, I don't know how you guys, God bless you guys, you keep it together. We're like, it's it's really, it's microeconomy versus macroeconomy. In our little house, we keep all the filth out. We homeschool our kids. We're not going to send them to fucking college, which is just brainwash camps for the- yeah elite groups you're talking about and we're just like look this is the truth and we all like each other and we all love each other and i I also don't go golf i also don't golf 30 hours a fucking week that's what these guys do you got to hang out with your wife and have fun you can't just come home and be like food sex then sleep bye like you can't do that (laughs) these guys are also pathetic they're also pathetic. it's like you have to maintain her desire you know it's like she may have the desire for you she may have the genuine desire for you but she has that desire because of who you are and how you treated her and what you've right. shown that she if you guys think like oh and women do the same thing too hey we did our dues cool we're good for life now we could just be comfortable no right. marriage is uncomfortable i'm married my wife is in the other room and you know we are we work all the time together we work in everything together it's some form of project we're always working together and it's like that proximity helps, but that also keeps our hierarchical order still. You know, yeah. I still run the show. Okay. It, you know, I'm, I'm the businessman. I, I'm making the moves. I put her when I put her in play when she needs to be in play. I elevate her. I, I, I push her out there. You know, that's still the hierarchical role 
of our family. You know, it goes back to Joshua as me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. That's the basics. People get back to basics. Stop trying to do all these other things. You know, you need to do. It's just like, you know, when, when Myron says, and this is me not coming out Myron because I like him, but it's just like when he says he doesn't care about a female orgasm, I'm like, dude, then how can you expect her to have genuine desire for you? You know, you didn't take her to cloud nine, you know, like if you want to be the best your wife has ever had, then you got to be the best your wife has ever had. And that makes her not want to go anywhere else. You know, when she's thinking about, you know what, that guy from high school, he was really good. If you're not blowing out that guy, then you're not doing your job as a husband in bed, you know? How do you learn to do that as a guy? Well, there's this book. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but it goes back. That's why, that's why they say that, you know? You talk, you like, what, look, what do you like? What, what, what works? What doesn't work? That's shit that no one, none of the chubby hoes and the scrawny broke guys that populate are, are the denizens of the nightclubs. None of them talk, right? And none of them ever even see each other again, aside from pathetic, uh, uh, cloying attempts by the men to get the, the chubby hoes to talk to them on text after the fact. They don't talk at all. So like when you actually interface with someone, you're like, it's like you asking that is kind of like asking my wife, how do you know what to cook for Tim? Like at night, it's like, cause I tell her, I'm like, Hey, this, this recipe really worked. That was awesome. Can you, can you make that again? Or she's always like, did you like it? Should I make that again? She was asking yeah. me last night. It's the exact same thing. This is all about communication. I'm just, I'm just not sure. Like, cause I, the way I see it is their advice is just an adaptation to the modern woman. Like well, that, see, that's that's true, where, but I don't know if what, do guys want to adapt to that. I know that I'm not I know saying that's what is the case. Rachel, but I'm, I'm not, not saying sure it's right. I'm not saying yeah. it's good. I'm saying like I'm not really gonna put it on them when we switched first because we have the power first. Like women have all the agency younger, and yet we're choosing non-monogamy. So it's like, how am I gonna blame the men when it's like, well, we were the ones like we started it. Well, I will say I've, I've been with my husband for 16 years and there is really something about like getting to know each other so well. We totally know what each other likes about everything in life. Like Tim was saying, from the bedroom to the kitchen and everything in between, I know what he likes. He knows what I like. And we do maintain that hierarchy. And because he is, he has never like submitted to me. He has never, I always said, people say, what do you like about Andrew? And I'm like, he doesn't put up with any of my crap. To be honest, you know what I mean. If Steph I'm is nodding, Rachel. If I'm, yeah, Steph it, is if, nodding so hard. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, like he me, right here. He, he won't put up with my crap. So, um, I know what the market is now, but I do also know that if the men like my husband and like Tim and like Glenn, obviously they have women that they have kept for a long time who are like good women because of the way that they are. I think if more men were like, I don't want hoes. You would yeah. see less hoes. Just like you said, men respond to the market. Men can influence the market because women want attention. That is our currency. And That's exactly more, what it is. If That's the exactly higher, if the men that yeah. these women want attention from suddenly look down their nose at the 304s and were like, bitch, get out of here, right? No, I like this, this girl over here who's actually high quality. Um, I'm going to give her the attention. You would see 304s change overnight. You would see them put on see their the, little. You see the finishing schools come back. Well, no, that's what and it that's, is. Like Pearl and it, I are going to do that. By that. The way. It, that's men, like men, one of men our really run the show. Men run the show. I mean, yeah. like, it's like this whole thing. Like women have power over what? 
They don't have power unless men give them the power in the beginning. Okay. Oh, you want to show your titties. Okay. I'll give you power. You know what I'm saying? If men, and I'm sorry to say this because it sounds like I'm anti-reddit pill here, but I'm telling you guys, if you don't want a hoe, then don't acknowledge the hoe. Okay. Like if you don't want women to be hoes, then don't reward them by giving you, giving them your attention. Stop yes. liking their shit on Instagram. Stop following and subscribing to their OnlyFans. If you yes. really want to change women, and this is where it goes back to men, don't want change. They want to bitch yeah. about the change. That's what it comes down to it. And how the fuck did that get construed as anti-red pill? That's the ultimate power move. And it's seriously, the, it is. How the fuck did that get construed as anti-red pill? Dude, you run the show. Take it back. Now, most of you are betas and gammas that are like little wannabe Andrew Tates, except you don't have a gorillion dollars. It's pathetic. I listen to these guys every day. I'm the case for patriarchy guy. Like we've taken lots of shrapnel over the last two years and we get emails from men nonstop who are like crying into the keyboard and they have high body count, but these are, uh, in many cases, these they, are dudes that are not great they, looking. Do they have bro- high body counts? Yes. I think the ugliest Every women have does. the most body counts. Honestly, well, I, I think like your fours and fives have the highest body counts. I think women have like really good value. They know they're beautiful. They know that they that their sexuality is their value and they probably don't give it away as much. That's just my, this is Glenn's theory here. You know, you know no scientific evidence. That all week, what, what looks has the highest body count? We can, it's the fours here. and fives. We can here. Yeah. We have- I'd say threes and fours. Threes and fours have the highest yeah. body count. Okay, I'll tell you why I think it's eights to tens. I know you guys are like, all right, all right, all right. This is from, I've interviewed hundreds of women. I'm just saying hundreds, hundreds. Had 600 women come in here the last six months. And I didn't even track the first half of the year. So I don't even, it's probably close to a thousand the past year. Um, because they get paid to. Yeah, the eights to tens. It's like if you pay someone to do something more, more of them are going to do it. And the problem is the eights to tens get like offers for like escorts and like they get more OnlyFans opportunities. And so I kind of, I, much, my opinion, like, I think what is the pool? What? what? Like, what is the pool of it? You know what I'm saying? Like, are these only OnlyFans so, girls and chicks like that? Because there's a lot of eights and tens that are not out there like no, that too. My like, my show is the most diverse in terms of the people we pick from. I would not say the majority of the women on my show have, have OnlyFans. I've just noticed that women that are eights to tens, like the ones that have had the highest body counts, I would either put them as a hard seven or eight to 10. Like the girls, like the few girls I've talked to that have said like 50, 100. I'm not saying it's all women. That's that's why I think it's eights to tens is because if you put money in something, more people will do it. But yeah. your show is misrepresentative. The population is, yeah, you, you have a big show. You're a big voice, Pearl. So you, the people that you're bringing on are people that are in some way or another, even if it's retarded, like a lot of these chicks, no offense. Um, even <laughs> they're, they have a big platform or they're doing no, something they, to get attention. No, no, I'm talking- No, they want every- a big platform. That's why they're going to her. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, I mean, yeah, by yeah. definition, wouldn't 80% of women be somewhere between like the three and the six? Wouldn't the vet like there's not that many ones and twos yeah. and there's not that many nines and tens. Most of us women are in the middle of the pack. Well, I mean, I think if you go like in America, when you got like what 
the 70 percent of the women are over 170 pounds you're kind of like you know what i think that's the well, that's the and, average and i've also done street talks like i i'll go on the street and ask women the same question the answers are very similar like this whole idea that it's like special women we're bringing on our show it's just not true it's like I, i've had quiet girls i've had loud girls i've had girls come on the show that don't talk at all like it, it, it especially us like whatever it's usually girls between the age of like 20 to 25 college chicks they're in a college town Myron and them use a lot of OnlyFans chicks from like downtown Miami big followings us we don't recruit the same way so it's very very mixed like we've done athletes we've done like because we have recruiters in different industries so we get like a wide variety of women I will say that watching your show, Pearl, and the women who are on it, this is why I always say on Twitter, I'm like, the people who think Pearl is just mean to women for no reason must not have watched your show because the way that they act, and they are just like normal, these are just like normal British chicks who aren't even famous or anything, and they will just come on her show like they are the star of it, like they expect that red carpet rolled out, they're going to talk over her and everybody else, they, they're here to take over the like, show. I don't know who you are. Right, and I'm just like, where, I don't understand where the attitude comes from, it drives me crazy, but I have four daughters, and when mine start acting like that, oh, I put the smack down on it so fast, it would make your head spin, like my oldest one is very, very pretty, and right about 14, she started to realize she was really pretty. Yeah. And when the minute I saw that princess attitude coming out, I was like, mm, no, 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 no. You're going to go outside and you're going to chop wood. You're going to do work and you're going to work for stuff. You are not going to develop this identity that I'm pretty and that's all I have to be. And I can be a bitch now. Like, drives but me crazy. In the Bible, it doesn't say anything about like treating a woman like a princess that's or treating true. her like a queen. Yeah. Or, 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 or the son, the daughter of God. There's, there's no, there's no passage in the Bible that says you're a daughter of God. There's the son of God, mm. son of man, but not a daughter of God. But, but what do you think? Uh, and Coco's right here. This is my wife. What do you think is like the average girl's body count? Like for eights, nines, and tens. Do you think they have a high body count? For the eight, nine, Come here. I can't hear you. Yeah, eight, nines, and tens. <laughs> um, I think that they would actually have lesser body count. Than See? See? But I'm Shaking telling you. I'm telling but I mean, you. if Pearl's finding something different, maybe we don't know enough. No, eight, nine, I, I'm not saying know. the average eight, nine, or ten, but I'm saying they skew the numbers so much because the eights, nines, and tens that have opportunity to do porn and OnlyFans that do it, oh, okay. like a million guys. I'm it's, not saying every is... eight, nine, or ten. I'm saying it's right. like again, if you pay people to be single mothers, they become single mothers. If you pay hot chicks to be whores. Actually, yeah, we, the government pays moms to be single mothers. I mean, they kind of get a good paycheck for being a single mom, you know? Yeah, Rachel just but said, I do, always I do have to go. I do have to go. But we can't, I do think we should continue this conversation. Maybe we could get Myron on a stream to explain the, the 50 chicks. So, you know. Oh, yeah. No, that'd yeah. be great. That'd be great. Okay. We should definitely but, do this again. But thank you all for coming. Do you want to tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, I will tell everybody for Jay since he had to go. He had another engagement he had to go to. But if you're looking for Jay's work, go to jaysanalysis.com or just Jay Dyer on YouTube. He is J underscore 007 on Twitter, I believe. And I'm Rachel Wilson. I wrote a book called Occult Feminism, The Secret History of Women's Liberation. Pearl interviewed me on that. So it's on her channel if you want to know more about my book. I'm Rach for Patriarchy. Rach the number four patriarchy on Twitter. And my substack is rwilson.substack.com.
Yeah, and um, my name is Glenn Lawrence. You can catch me on Twitter at Mr. Glenn Lawrence. Uh, YouTube is Glenn Lawrence underscore presents. Um, Instagram, Glenn underscore Lawrence underscore presents. Uh, I'm out in Vegas, so I'm working with uh, Rolo Tomasi and Michael Sartain and Axis Vegas and all that stuff. So if you um, want to catch more of me, catch me on my YouTube, Twitter, um, or on Axis Vegas. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm Tim Gordon. Once again, thanks for having us all on Pearl. It was a lot of fun today. I run a YouTube channel, Timothy Gordon. My show is called Rules for Retrogrades. I run a Friday podcast called Christian Masculinism with Elliot Hulse, Will Nolan, Dr. Michael Robillard talking about the stuff you've heard today. So, so come over to my channel. I wrote a book called The Case for Patriarchy, and my wife wrote a book called Ask Your Husband. We really got come after for that one. Also, my wife and Will Noland and his wife run the largest uh, Catholic matchmaking site, just started because it's the only one for really high value young men and women. We were overwhelmed with that. That's at www.return.us, R-E-T-V-R-N.us. We have some amazing people. And um, there's there's a white pill out there for all the, the dudes and chicks that are sick of slutty men and women. The, um, the white pill is get married young. My other book is don't go to college. Don't. <laughs> crushes yeah. the souls of these young people thanks for having us on yeah thanks for coming guys um all right guys um let me know in the comments who you guys would like to see on you know a red pill christianity type panel um make sure you like the video on your way out and subscribe to the channel ring that notification bell and i'll talk to you next time